stiff arms of crap. <laughs> Draco patch right there. Fighting through contact, fighting through offensive line, beating the double team, multiple moves stacked into one. Just a play of pure domination. This is actual film, this is actual football talk. It's a football show, it's about football, not storylines. Hello, and you are listening to the third edition of Blue It Splits. Uh, if you're following TOJ Film Room, this is like the 68th edition I've done of like this YouTube breakdown type uh, show. Today, we have 41 plays of Brashad Terryman. Uh, right now, I'm getting to the draft guys. Just posted up Andrew Thomas, which will be on uh, JetX uh, Factor website. Um, today, the full review, which includes strengths and weaknesses. Then we're looking like we're going to be doing Mekhi Becton. Uh, Joe RB31 on Twitter. Uh, you can follow Michael Nania at Michael underscore Nania. Jets X Factor is another handle. Robbie Sabo. Uh, JetsXFactor.com. Like I said, subscribe. It's $6 a month, $50 a year. Uh, we do a ton of things from player breakdowns to podcasts. There was literally just two articles on the website about Tom Hennessy long snapping and Trayvon Wesco blocking. Like it's the most in-depth Jets website you're going to get. Uh, YouTube, you can type in Jets X Factor. Uh, the podcast is now Blue It's Blitz, where any ratings and reviews are appreciated. By the way, the 50th review, um, when it gets to 50, we're going to choose a random person of those 50 and give a free subscription to the website. So send out some reviews. Uh, you can also check out Scott Mason at Play Like a Jet. Just did him. Uh, just did a podcast with him breaking down Makai Becton. That's the housekeeping. Wanted to get that th- uh, through that quickly. Uh, I am joined today by somebody I would call I would call a friend at this point. Uh, we shoot texts and stuff like stuff like that. So I think it's pretty cool to be uh, at least I'll call him a friend with a with an ex Jets player, which is uh, pretty dope in my opinion. Uh, Marcus Coleman, 11 year NFL vet, uh, mostly with the Jets, play with the uh, Texans. And who was the other team you play with, Marcus? I know it was the Texans. You got you got drafted by the Dallas. Texans, right? And I got Texans. drafted by the Jets. Oh. Well. See, I'm I'm too I'm too uh I'm too young for for you. I just get to watch highlights and stuff. Which, by the way, if you if you haven't checked out, uh, I think it was on YouTube. The Jets played the Monday Night Miracle, where Marcus Coleman got three interceptions. Uh, was a really fun game to to watch back. Even though that last interception, I'm not so sure. Um, I think if it's a, if it's a throw to the sideline, maybe maybe he catches that ball. I don't I don't know, Marcus. <laughs> no, it's it's a PBU either way. Because <laughs> I was right on him. If, even if I didn't get the pick, it was it was gonna be a breakup at some point. Yeah, no, no. So it, yeah, it was gonna be a PBU either way. It was it was definitely it was definitely uh definitely fun to watch. But yeah, yeah, good show. At the forty-three yard line, one more first down, and they'll be in field goal range for Marty. Marco Marcus Coleman for hanging in there mentally. He made the play earlier to pick it off in front of Gadsden, and then he read the eyes of the quarterback here. And the route by Gadsden, another out route thrown way too far to the inside. Life doesn't often afford you the opportunity to get off the hook that quickly. And there he is. So that is who we're uh, we are joined by today. Um, as you guys know, um, he's he's used to be the, the co-host with me. So uh, we're going to get into a lot of Jets stuff. We're going to get into a off-season recap. Marcus stays uh, connected with the Jets and, and you know, uh, kind of evaluates their off-season and their moves and all that stuff. We'll talk a little bit about the draft. I'm going to go right into um, the 
uh, shot Perryman film. So let's start off with the um, some of the signings they've made, some of the re-signings they didn't make, and we'll just we're, we're going to run through some positions. Um, Marcus, I'll highlight some signings. I'm not going to get into the contracts and things like that, but uh, I guess in an overall sense, before we go position by position, uh, what is your uh, feeling with the Jets offseason right now? I mean, obviously there haven't been any, you know, splash free agents or high-end free agents that have been signed. Um, the, I mean, this offseason, it seems like it's been more signings based off of value. And you can look at the contracts and look at the guys that got signed. You know, it's, you know, it's, you're just looking more for value. And, and I think, yeah, to tell you the truth, you know, and that's just kind of the sense I'm getting from watching the guys being signed. Even some of the, the, the players that were on the Jets last year and they got re-signed, you know, they're only one-year deals or I think there was a two-year deal in there or something like that. But, you know, everybody's being signed for, you know, for truly what, you know, the, the organization feels like their value is. And I think they, they got some pieces, especially on the, you know, you know, across the offensive line. Um, you know, they're finally filling in, you know, now whether these guys will be, end up being starters and, and being really good players, you know, we'll have to see that, you know, especially somebody like Fant. Um, you know, I, I'm not that I don't like him. I'm just, you know, kind of on the fence about, you know, is he going to continue to just be more backup average player or is he going to take that next step to be, you know, a starter and, and end up being, you know, a premier lineman in the league. I don't, you know, you know, only, you know, time will tell with that. But, I mean, so far, nothing to just rave about. But, you know, I would say overall just good signings, you know, if that's what you want to call it. Um, mm-hmm. Nothing spectacular. Um, you know, but there's still a lot of work to do. Still got a lot of holes to fill, um, you know, especially, you know, at the skill position, yeah. uh, you know, on both sides. You know, there, there's, you know, and I'm hoping that, I'm hoping that, you know, I guess they're going to depend on, you know, the draft, which is usually how you build. And, you know, from where Joe D- Douglas is coming from, you know, Philly kind of has that mantra, you know, you build through the draft and some, you know, some organizations do. Um, as of late, Philly's been signing a lot of free agents, you know, the last probably three years or whatever, but usually they build through the draft. So we'll just have to see how he's going to continue to play out the rest of, you know, the rest of the offseason and see who they draft, you know, at what spots. But, but um, honestly, Right now, um, I mean, I just say right now they're probably like C plus B, you yeah. know, in free agency. You know, it's kind of what the grade that I give them right now. Yeah, it's. I think Joe Douglas is in an interesting position, in, in my own opinion, just because he wants value contracts and he wants to build the right way. But at the same time, you kind of want to accelerate that at the same time because you have Sam Darnold and you need to surround Sam Darnold. So maybe overpaying for a guy like Jack Conklin at $12, $13, 14000000 million is better than paying a guy – um, and George Fant, who the positive thing with George Fant, I'm going to say this, you know, consistently until I show you guys a film review is 2018, he was absolutely brutal. Middle of 19, he took some, took some steps in the right direction. And then by the end of 19, when he played the, uh, the Niners in week 17 and then uh, played the Eagles in the wild card game of the playoffs, he took some legitimate strides. So I'm hoping he continues on that upward trajectory. Um, and for a guy who was playing college basketball, only played one year of college football, and then has been a, a spot starter, um, he still has a lot of development to to go. But we'll see. Um, Connor McGovern, um, I'm not sure if you know much about him, Marcus, but he's like the only like plus signing I think they made where he's an above average starter. Um, brought back Alex Lewis, you know, 
re-signed uh, or, or signed uh, Van Roten to a, a you know a friendly deal, I would say, at $3 million, $3.5 million a year. Right. Um, and then the right tackle is still Adoga. So I'm hoping, which we'll get into the draft in, in a minute, um, I'm hoping that their plan is to draft a tackle at 11 still. I, you know, you need guys in the trenches. You need to build from the inside out, in my opinion, especially for Darnold's sake, even though you do need to add some skill guys. But I'm hoping they draft that tackle, whether it be – you know, Thomas as a left tackle or Wirfs as a right tackle, whatever they're more comfortable with, put them there. Um, and then you have Fant and Adoga, you know, competing for that other tackle spot. And, and Fant might end up being a two or three million dollar overpay as a backup swing tackle in the worst case scenario. So, you know, we'll, we'll see. We'll see um, what happens with that offense. Um, we're we're going to get into Perryman, then we'll round into defense really quick. What are your thoughts about, um, which, like I said, we're going to get into a ton of Perryman film, but. Robbie walking for about $10 million a year to Carolina, bringing in Perryman. What was your whole thought on, on that whole, uh, you know, uh, kind of transaction? Uh, I mean, well, you knew Robbie was going to try to command. I mean, he was actually looking at somewhere between 14 and 16 from my understanding, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, but ended up signing for 12. I mean, obviously, you know, teams don't, I guess if you look at all the rest of the teams and kind of maybe even, and I'll speak for myself, you know, kind of what I thought, um, you know, I don't know he, if he, if he was worth that much, you know, in between the 14 to 16 range, you know, he, he wasn't that kind of, you know, he doesn't have that kind of production and, you know, the stats and everything don't even back up, uh, you know, his, you know, I guess his reasoning or his agent's reasoning for, you know, trying to go after that amount. So, uh, I don't know what happened between he and, and the Jets, obviously, and I don't know what they necessarily offered him. Um, but bringing in Perriman, uh, I, I mean, I like Perriman, and I think towards the end of last year, he definitely played well at the end of the season last year. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I don't know. They're obviously, yeah, I mean, you like to see certain guys, you know, especially skilled guys, you know, go through the season and progress. You, you want to make sure that you get better, you know, as the season goes on. Um, you know, I don't know if he's going to be the guy that's going to be end up being the number one though, is mm-hmm. I guess, I guess what, what, you know, what I would have to say. Um, I think he's a good receiver. I think, you know, he can do some things that help Sam Donald out, but I don't know if he's going to truly be that number one guy. So now if I'm the Jets, to be honest with you, I'm trying to look into the draft to see if I can find the number one guy, uh, to be honest with you, because I don't know yeah. if Fairman is that guy. I think as a vet and being in the league as long as he has, I think he understands the game and he can help out. Um, but I won't, I'm not, I don't consider him a number one. He's probably a two or a three, you know, personally in my book. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think for a really good team, he's like that number three field treacher type deal. Um, especially if he's healthy and we're going to watch him film. I was, I was more impressed with the film, um, as I went through it, uh, than I thought I would originally be where with guys like the seer, we'll maybe we'll, we'll have you back on for the seer in like June or July after the draft is all done and wrapped up because he's going to take, uh, kind of take the back seat right now um but I, I wasn't as impressed with him he's he's reminds me of like a morris claiborne 2017 type vibe where he's a bend but don't break type guy um cool. but on, on the defense uh overall I, I think they did a pretty good job with some contracts bringing back jenkins for five million dollars actually before we do the defense i just want to i, I want to get like a quick opinion from you because a lot of people with these contracts you know they they wanted graham glasgow who got like 11 million dollars whatever it was or 10 million dollars from the the broncos and all the jets should have offered 12 uh robbie right. got 12 million dollars a first year from carolina oh well they should have offered him 12 13 why wouldn't he come back um there's so much that happens 
behind the scenes that fans don't know about. What if what if the Jets were offering Robbie Anderson $13, $14 million a year, but Robbie Anderson wanted to play for his old coach and didn't want to play for this? Maybe he doesn't like uh, rule. Maybe Glasgow didn't want to come to, to New Jersey. There's so much stuff that happens behind the scenes that fan just, fans just automatically assume where if the Jets offered – uh, any one of these players, the same price or a little bit higher, they would automatically come. So right. from your experience, how, like how much do you, and, and you were a little, you know, you were less in the social media age, like it is now at Twitter, which is just crazy. Um, where fans literally figure out things before players figure out, like when people get traded, you see players quoting it and being like, I'm traded. Like what? But right. it's like, how much goes on behind the scenes that like even the beat writers who are so plugged in don't know about because fans automatically assume, okay, you know, if the jets offered him $13 million, he would still be here, you know? Yeah, well, honestly, a lot goes into the behind the scenes, to tell you the truth. And it's not always about, it's not always about the money, to tell you the truth. It's, you know, because there, I can promise you, there are several deals where teams where the player may be and they're getting offered the same money, uh, you, know, at, you know, with their former team and with a new team. And they just decide to either, you know, for example, like Robbie wants to play for his old coach or, the player doesn't like the, the organization that's there right now, or he just wants to change the scenery or, I mean, there's so many things that go in, you know, they go on behind that, you know, that, that, you know, that, you know, that fans don't realize. And then, you know, things as small as, as, you know, the workout bonuses may be different. The guarantees may be different. And, you know, you don't, and you don't usually find out about the actual contract until, you know, days later, mm-hmm. but, you know, during that, you know, particular time, like, yes, it just may offer him 12, just like Carolina did, but what do the guarantees look like? And then how is the contract structure, you know, structured? You know, is he getting more of his money up front, which I think is what happened to Carolina. Mm-hmm. He's getting more up front, you know, the first year or two or whatever it is that he would, you know, with, you know, in New York. So there's so many things that go back and forth. And usually it's the player, the agent, you know, and the general manager, you know, or, you know, some teams have, you know, an actual negotiator that, that handles that as well. That's going on behind that, that, it's, it's so much to keep up with because these phone calls are going on all the time. I mean, these dudes are talking all day, all night, all times of the night. Um, and as much as the beat writers want to be involved or want to, you know, put something out there, they don't really know the whole story. They only get bits and pieces of what either the team tells them or the agent tells them or whatever it is. And, and sometimes that is why you see, you'll see something put out. Uh, from the media, but it only pertained to one specific thing. And a lot of times this is driven by the by the agent as well. I don't know how many people know that. Like the agent will, you know, call Schefter or call whoever and be like, hey, this is what we're doing. You know, Drive up his out. price. Yeah. So, you know, and, <clears throat> you know, so they'll put something out. And now if there's another team that's interested in their client, now they're trying to figure out what's going on because this agent, you know, has put something out. So there's a lot that goes on, you know, behind the scenes that, I mean, it's probably, so, it's, we wouldn't have enough time to talk about it today. There's so yeah. much that goes on. To be yeah, honest. Yeah. There's, there's, constant, there's always constant conversation, always constant negotiations going on. Um, everybody's trying to get leverage in some kind of way. So, you know, and it's hard to keep up with everything. So you just have to be patient and wait for it to come out. Well, people think it's Madden and okay, the, the Panthers are offering $12 million a year. I'm going to offer 13. He's going to sign with me. So it's, it's not that simple. Just like with Jordan no. Jenkins. Oh, well he signed <laughs> Jordan Jenkins signed for $5 million a year. Why didn't the Jets sign him for four, four years at $5 million a year? You don't understand that the player is, is banking on himself for that one season to get a higher contract. He doesn't want to be locked into $5 million a year for four years. So, right. um, but overall I thought the Jenkins contract was a, was a good contract for $5 million a year for, for one year. I think he's a solid player. Um, they brought back Burgess Hewitt. Uh, at inside linebacker and I'm not sure I'm not going to try to actually I'm going to try to pronounce his name and look and make myself look like a fool um 
uh, Awusar from the from the Ravens. I think his name is Peanut. They they back up inside linebacker. They signed him. Oh as yeah. Well. Uh, um, yeah. Who had a good year in 2018 uh, with Mosley, um, and I'm hoping, per, me personally, I don't know about you, Marcus. I'm hoping they don't cut Avery Williamson. I think Avery Williamson's a good player when he's healthy. Obviously, tore his ACL in the what the second preseason game last year. Yeah. Um. So with the linebackers, what are, what are your thoughts with some of those guys? I'm not sure if you're familiar with. I'm gonna call him Peanut because I'm not gonna try to, like I said, do that all the time. Um, but do you think they get rid of Avery Williamson? What do you, what do you think they do? Because he carries like a $7 million cap hit, but a lot of people say, okay, well, you don't need two inside linebackers. But um, I think with a guy in Mosley who is a – I think he's a top five inside linebacker, and I think Avery's a guy who's underrated. Uh, he's mm-hmm. decent in coverage, but a really, really good guy in the box in the run game. Um, and having those two guys together, I think, would add a lot to their defense, and especially for a Jets team who doesn't, doesn't have a ton of talent um, on their team. I think – keeping talented guys for a lo- relatively low cap number at six, $7 million um, is, is a smart thing. I don't know if you disagree with me there. No, I think it's smart. I mean, and, and, and you have to, obviously you're in a waiting game trying to see how fast uh, Avery comes back and, you know, what his recovery is, you know, coming off of that ACL. So you do make signings. Obviously you, you still have to cover your butt, you mm-hmm. know, more or less, you know, uh, to make that sign. So I, I don't think they're right now. I mean, based off of, the kind of player that Avery is and in, in the production that, you know, he could potentially, you know, have alongside with Mosley, you know, I don't see anything wrong with, you know, you signing a, a free agent, you know, at minimal value, um, you know, at least for, you know, at least if Avery doesn't come along as fast as you're anticipating or he's not where you think he's going to be, then now at least, you know, you've got your butt covered, you know, until he gets back in and, and, um, and, and can, you know, get back to full, you know, full form, you know, as he was. So, I mean, and with, um, yeah. I mean, just overall as the group, I mean, I think, obviously, I think Mosley and Avery are the top two guys, you know, as yeah. of right now. Um, you know, and, and they want, and I think the Jets know that. So, you know, they were just waiting on Avery. Yes, they're signing other, other linebackers just trying to fill that spot, you know, just to have some depth just in case. But uh, for what they signed him for and some of the other free agencies they signed, I think Hewitt, um, you know, the, the minimum value contracts that they're signing, you know, I think it's smart. You know, you don't want to go out and spend your money. Yeah. Uh, especially when you've already got two guys, you know, at that spot taking up, you know, taking up big money, you know, and they're huge cap hits. So, no, I think that was smart. You know, and that's why I said, you know, when you asked me earlier, you, everything right now is just specifically about value. They're still trying to save as much money as they can, but be able to fill in certain spots and get good depth, um, you know, at least get average, you know, to just above average players right now, you yeah. know, at minimal value, you know, if that's how you want to call it. Yeah, and I think that offers offers them some versatility. You know, I think Hewitt's a good depth guy, special teamer. You know, Cashman is a fifth round pick from last year. He offers some um, different traits than guys like Mosley and Avery Williamson and and Burgess. So you have a deep, you have six inside linebackers right now. They're most likely cut one. Um, but I think it offers them some versatility where you could have Peanut, who's like 225 pounds, you know, playing on the backside, run and chase type, uh, where you could have Mosley as as the Mike. Um, diagnosing and things like that. And then I think Avery, you know, you find a spot for him. I, I think having a guy in Greg Williams who's super reversal with his defense, it, it works. You know, ha, you know, say putting him as the Sam in an underfront, you know, to, to set that edge. I think he's, he's a strong enough guy to do that, to take on some, some right. backs and tight ends who are going to try to kick him out um, or whatever it may be. So uh, I don't think you just get rid of good players, especially a guy who in Avery Williams who seems like he's a good locker room type guy. Mm-hmm. Um, transitioning to three more topics before we get to the film uh, with the – 
Um, secondary, really quickly. Uh, safety is pretty much status quo. Um, just want to get your opinion on uh, Jamal Adams. He's entering his fourth year. He wants a contract extension. Would you give him a contract extension? And then with the corners, um, like you said, I think they need to add more. They they cut Tremaine Johnson, who was a no-show. Uh, he was absolutely terrible. The worst sign the Jets have probably ever made, or one of them. Uh, Roberts, they cut him for $7 million, I think $6, 7000000 million a year. Well, didn't play well either last year, but they're super thin at the position now. Uh, they have yeah. this year as a number one. They have blessed Austin, who, yeah, listen, he played three, four good games at the end of the year, but he also has had multiple injuries in college, um, and he got benched in Cedar's games. So he played three, four, five good games, and people want to automatically assume he's going to be the starter when he got benched, and he has right. injury problems. Yeah, so so that's a super thin position. Um, they brought back Poole for $5 million a year, which is a really good move. And my, my feeling with Poole is he was super inconsistent with the Falcons. The Jets signed him for $3.5 million. He had a really good year. Um, they gave him $5 million a year. He's betting on himself. But people, oh, well, why not bring him back for more money? The problem with giving Poole a lot of money for me is he was inconsistent his entire career. He had one good year with the Jets. So right. I, don't, I don't know if he averages out to back to what he was, where I wouldn't want to sign him to a huge contract. So um, kind of all of those topics intertwined. You know, what do you think about Poole and cutting those guys? And then should they uh, extend Jamal Adams? Well, I mean, the first thing I would say is, yes, you need to extend Jamal Adams, uh, to be honest with you. He's more or less – the, the cornerstone of the defense, mm-hmm. um, you know, you know, you know what you're going to get, you know, obviously when, you know, if we signing him to a long-term deal. Now here's the thing, just because of what he does, I think his value may be a little bit different. You know, he's just he's a not, safety. Marcus, I, this I hear from Jets fans. You're not as plugged in with Jets fans. He's just a safety. You don't pay safeties that much money. He, that's all he does. He's a safety. Well, I mean, I mean, no, I mean, here, yeah, right. <laughs> I mean, no, he does a lot, but I, I would say he doesn't do – you know, he probably doesn't just because he's up close to the line and he's in the box most of the time. Yes, he covers tight ends, but he's not like a Malcolm Jenkins or McCordy or a um I'm trying to think of another safety that's similar to that. Harrison you know, like Smith. you know, you know, like a, yeah, Smith or or even a Minka Fitzpatrick. You know, he doesn't end up covering wide receivers in the slot. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he's not that kind of safety. So to be honest with you, now I understand what the market is and I understand, you know if the Jets do decide to give him a long-term deal, it'll probably be more money than where he may get elsewhere uh, just because he doesn't do a lot of the things that I said. Um, and that, you know, and believe it or not, that is, you know, that, that does determine, you know, or take value or add value, you know, depending on who you are. You know, that's why Malcolm Jenkins has been able to continue to get paid, you know, the way he has, you know, because he could be in the box. He can line up in the slot and cover a wide receiver. He can cover tight ends. You know, he does all the above. You know, what we've seen with Jamal, you know, Jamal's mainly just covering tight ends or he's right up in the box next to the linebacker coming off of the edge, things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so, I mean, and, and, you know, unfortunately, and this is how he may get classified, he'll just get classified as an in-the-box guy. You know, he won't be, you know, noted as one of the other safeties, you know, like the McCourties or somebody that are, you know, covering guys in the slot, you know, doing a lot of those things. But at the end of the day, I think, because of what the you know his production backs up who he you know who he is, um, you know I think he wants to be in New York and he wants to you know continue to help this team grow and build. So I think you started you know you signed him long term. You know that's just my personal opinion. Um, yeah. You get a great guy on the field, you mm-hmm. get a great guy off the field. You know you can't go wrong with that. Uh, uh, with the pool, with with the pool signing, I agree with you. Okay, I would have signed him with one year deal. You know myself um, because of the inconsistency, and I'm not going to give you a long term deal for. You know, and it wouldn't be crazy big money, but, you know, just for double digit millions or whatever it is when you've been inconsistent your entire career. 
you've only had one, you know, really, you know, kind of one good year. So, no, I definitely agree with that. With with Roberts, I think it was time for him to go, to be honest with you. Uh, same with Tremaine. Um, and I don't know what Tremaine's deal is. I don't know who's in his ear, um, who he's talking to. Uh, you know, I've actually had the opportunity to learn a little bit more about Tremaine from, you know, a friend of mine who coached him, you know, when he was in college. Uh, you know, so I kind of understand the mental makeup and he was just kind of telling me the stories of what kind of guy Tremaine is. And you kind of see, it, you know, and the more he would, you know, tell me things and the more I would watch him, you know, I see some of the, those things come out. Um, I, in my opinion, and I'll say, and I, and I don't know what connections you have with whatever, if you don't want to say he gave up, he, he's a quitter to me. Cause when I watch him with the Rams, um, he was a completely different player. He wasn't the most athletic player, but he was definitely a smart player who would jump passes, things like that, play with good right. leverage. And the Jets, he would just open up and just give up everything, even deep. Like, he didn't get beat with the Rams deep, but the Jets, he just he just completely disappeared. And to sign him for, like, $14, $15 million a year, it was a complete bust of a signing, in my, in my opinion. Um, oh, no, no, I agree with that. No, no, I absolutely agree with that. And I think he got lazy and, yeah, and you know, I don't know what it was. So, I don't know what he's dealing with or what it is, but the guy – that we saw in New York is definitely not the guy that we saw with the Rams. No. You know, and I think, I mean, and honestly, some of that kind of goes with coaching. You got to know, you know, nothing against Greg Williams, uh, you know, and I know, a guy, you know, me included, you know, a lot of guys love Greg Williams, you know, loves who he is and, and you know, the kind of guy that he is. So I, I actually don't knock him for anything, but I mean, you got to have, you know, other guys. That's why you have a staff to figure out, okay, what's wrong with him? What's wrong with him technically? You know, I thought he got too heavy, uh, mm -hmm. you know, gaining weight or whatever, you know, and he got slower. He got a lot stiffer. And he just looked like he – I mean, he really looked like he just got lazy and was just kind of mm -hmm. out there, you know, knowing that he was getting the check and he was just kind of out there. And you hate to say that about a player, especially as a former player, you hate to say that about another player. Yeah. But that's what it looked like. You yeah. Know, wrong with that's what it looked like. Listen, man, it's I, – I know you guys have, like, a fraternity with, with NFL players, but if you see a guy quitting, you see a guy quitting. Just like if I see a bad cop doing bad cop things, I'll call him a bad cop, you know. So right. it, it, it is what it is, you know. So if you see – and Jessica got burned with that, you know, multiple times in the last couple of years with Tremaine Johnson and Wilkerson, guys who get their contract and they just they just lay down. Um, right. But, yeah, with Adams, you know, he and he's different than those guys you said. Um, the thing I, I think he offers more than those guys is, is blitzing. You know, he missed two games in, in, in the season, and he and – he, uh, I think he was a sack and a half away from the all-time record for sacks from a safety. So he does a lot of things. Um, and, he, and, he's, and he's a top five, you know, safety in my opinion. He's different than some other guys, but he's going to want the highest paid. He's, he's going to want that title of the highest paid safety for this year, which I think it's smart to extend him now. One, he's a great locker room guy. Um, he's the lifeblood of that defense. Mosley's like the, the, the quiet assassin type leader guy. Um, and the cap goes up next year, and it's just going to get higher and higher and higher and higher. The Jets right. aren't paying a ton of people now. Um, so I, I think it would be smart to extend him and, and keep him around. He recruits free agents. He does things like that. Maybe not this year, but um, moving on because we do want to get into the film. Um, draft. I, you know, I know you were a guy who was plugged into college. You love college football, things like that. Um, do you love anybody at 11 for the Jets, which they do at 11? And then are they – are there any guys like in the second, third, fourth round that you love? Do you think they should really target, you know, receivers? Because this is probably the deepest draft of wide receivers we've seen since 2013. Like, what's your overall thought on the Jets and their uh, and their draft philosophy this year? Anybody you like? Uh, to be honest with you, there's um, I mean, there's actually a lot of guys that are like Teddy too. <laughs> yeah. uh, no, there really are. I mean, yeah, yeah, you know, at, before, at a lot of before, different... before you get into it. Who's your wide receiver one? Because I wonder, I wonder if you agree with me on wide receiver on wide receiver one. Oh, coming out right yeah, now, I think it's Judy. 
Oh, there you go. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. Yeah, right now I think it's Judy. Yeah, I think it's yeah, I think it's Judy. Um, I like Jalen Rager from TCU. Yeah, um, and not just because I I play with his dad, but the kid can really play. Like mm-hmm. he can play every spot. Like he, uh, I mean, the kid's phenomenal. To be honest with you. Um, you know, obviously Judy's faster. Um, uh, I like Rugs. You know, you know as well. Uh, you can't get wrong. You can't go wrong with either of those guys. Um, so I mean, there's, I mean, honestly, there's, there's, I mean, really, there's a lot of players out there that I like, and I wish I had my list in front of me who I could tell you who they are. But if you're talking about going wide receiver one, especially at 11, you know, something like that, if Judy's still there, you need to take, shoot your shot and go ahead and take it. Now, what about now? What about um, versus tackle? Because we, we, you know, I think we both agree, and and you're a skill position guy, and I think you even agree that the most important thing for right now would for mm-hmm. Sam Donald to get protection because last year, um, you know, I don't know if you're you're aware because we stopped in the show like you know first week or you know first couple of weeks of the season, he had the least he had the least time to throw the ball from snap to right. hit in the NFL, right. and uh, Le'Veon Bell had the – he was contacted behind the line of scrimmage more than any running back in the NFL, which might be a little bit attributed to his patient running style. Um, but still, let's just factor in, okay, Sam Donald snapped to throw, had the least time in the NFL. So if it's if there's a guy – I don't know what your feelings are on the top tackles, but if it's Andrew Thomas or Beckton there versus Judy, who I agree with you, is the best – one, he's the best fit for the Jets, and he's the best receiver to me. Uh, route yeah. running is, is prime in my opinion. And listen, a lot of people compare Lamb to Hopkins. Hopkins has a lot more size than Lamb. That there's yeah, a big he does. difference Absolutely. there. Absolutely, Lamb is a little. He's a little lanky. Like he can make contested catches against guys, you know, in college. But can he do that versus NFL corners who are two hundred and five pounds, all muscle? I, I don't know. Um, uh, Rugs is he's more than just a speed guy. He's not John Ross. He offers some good route running and things like that. But Judy is mm-hmm. clear. And I said it last show, Marcus. And I, was, I, was, I was hoping you agreed with me that Judy is far and away my number one. Yeah. What is your feelings on Judy versus, okay, let's say, you know, it's, it's Becton or Thomas at 11 who are realistically going to be there because I don't, I don't think Wills or Werfs makes it. Yeah, I don't think Wills or Werfs make it either, to tell you the truth. Um, and actually, I do agree with you if, I mean, just because of the position the Jets are in, if Becton is there, then I think you go ahead and take him. Mm-hmm. You well, know, even above, even above Judy. And I know that's – I mean, I mean that's a tough position because then it, obviously and somebody else ends up getting it. But yeah, but um, I mean, but you need to protect, you know, you need to protect your quarterback, uh, you know, especially based off of the stat that you just gave. Uh, it, and even when we've done the show before, you know, using Sam Donald's always running for his life, you know, in some form or fashion. Oh you yeah, know, we we watched plenty game. games together. We watched plenty yeah, games together. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So so you, I mean, so I, I would definitely take, definitely you know go with with. Beckton, you know, if you know if he's there, you take him. Yeah, because I don't think Werfel will is last. To tell you the truth, now if one of those, if any of those three are there, oh, yeah. now you now you got a decision you got to make, and you know you do you definitely take one of those. Uh, you know, I, one I'm of those. I'm so high on Wills that if he's dropping to seven or eight, I wouldn't be mad if the Jets traded up. I, I think Will absolutely trade up and get him. I, I totally agree with that. Yeah. If he, so if, if he's there and he drops a little bit, you trade up and get him. And, I, and I, I don't disagree with that. The good thing is too with this with this draft in terms of receivers, guys you're talking about, you know, whether it be Rager or or Mims or Van Jefferson, those guys are going to be available in the second or third round. So in, in my personal philosophy, uh, what the Jets should do, which you know doesn't mean shit to the Jets, let's be completely honest, is you know grab that tackle at eleven, and then and they have uh, yeah. three more picks in the top one hundred. Grab two receivers, and then whatever's like best available, you know, outside linebacker, corner, maybe to inside, you know, uh, interior offensive lineman, whoever it may be, you know, center offensive guard, whatever. 
Um, right. But, and Judy, in my opinion, for and I'm going to do his review, you know, coming up relatively soon. Uh, he's the best fit for the Jets. One, they have a field stretcher already in Perryman, so I don't think mm-hmm. you need another one. You know, obviously you could use him, but in rugs. Um, I, you could argue Judy versus versus uh, Lamb. Lamb is more the contested guy. He'll ca- he'll catch some balls in the red zone and things like that. But like I said, don't, don't I I don't like I get the comparison to Hopkins, but that's not an easy transition to make. Hopkins is the best receiver in the NFL to me. Um, which by the way, the Cardinals got away with hi- highway robbery. Um, right. regardless, <laughs> it's absolutely ridiculous. And uh, Adam Gase's offense is more on like spacing and running really good routes and, and, and being open when you need to be open because it's a lot of it's a multi, lot of multi-layered concepts and I think Judy in terms of his route running is the best fit for his offense um, but it's gonna be interesting uh, like we were talking about before we started recording it's gonna be interesting to see how they do the draft and like I said maybe if they draft a guy like Judy or Rager or whatever you can come back on and, and break down some of those guys but uh, last topic before we get into the the actual film of Perriman uh, free agents are there any guys out there that, that you'd be interested in the Jets you know signing in my in my opinion you know guys like Vinnie Curry uh, outside linebacker who's a good he's a good like spot guy who could, who could rush the passer um, yeah. You have a guy in Cameron Wake who's still out there. He's like he's like 80 years old, but he's a really good passer, pass rusher still. Any corners? There's Denard out there. Uh, there's also, um, which by the way, the Bengals got rid or didn't resign Denard. Yeah, pay trade Wayne's 15 million dollars. <laughs> I don't know what's what. I, yeah, I don't know why. Um, at that point, you should have just kept Drake Kirkpatrick if that's the case. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Dre's better than than Trey. Mm-hmm. To be, I mean, to be honest with you, so yeah, I don't, I really don't understand that move. I uh, tell you the truth, uh, I mean, honestly, the guys that are still left, they're not gonna pay. They're not gonna want to pay any money for. Like Clowney's out there, Logan Ryan's out there. Um, yeah, those two guys, and it, for you know, me, it, Clowney is a guy. Like, listen, I, I think if he, if you're one piece away and you want to pay him sixteen million dollars a year, then fine. But I don't think the Jets are in the right position to play Clowney, and then. Uh, the, yeah, but he does. He don't. He doesn't want any more one year deals. Like he's trying to get a long term deal, yeah. which I don't blame him. I mean, yeah. you know, he's due. You know, for you know, for a long term deal. So even if the Jets wants to do that, I don't think he does that. You know, unless it comes down to like crunch time at the very very end, um, then he may consider doing it. But but he he doesn't. He's not going to do that right now. He's looking for a long term a long term deal. Yeah. Um, I mean, and honestly, just because of how the Jets are signing free agents this year. You know, unless I mean, obviously, I'm not in the room. You know, with with Joe Douglas, with the guys that are the most of the guys that are out there that you know I feel like can contribute and come in and, and contribute immediately. They want too much money, so mm-hmm. it's just you know I don't I don't really think there's anybody really just out there like that that I'm saying yeah you need to go get this guy you need to go get this guy because you know either they want long term deals or even on their one or two year deals they still want too much money you know for what the Jets are trying to pay. Yeah, the only and I, I think this the, the only thing the Jets could do in in this fifth, sixth, seventh wave of free agency is address some of the holes, so it gives you some more draft flexibility. You know, maybe adding a guy like uh, Darquez Denard from from the Bengals, who I think is a solid press guy. Uh, yeah. Like I said, maybe a Vinnie Curry or Cam Wake, or honestly, and a lot of people will be like, "Oh, what the hell?" But like a, ta- a Taylor Gabriel from the from the Bears. Not as a number one or a number two, but a guy, you know, you don't have a number four right now. They have Vincent Smith right now. Uh, uh, for a team who runs 11 personnel a ton, they, they need a, a third, fourth, fifth guy who are, who are solid. They don't have Demaryius Thomas anymore, you know. They, right. uh, Robbie Anderson's got Quincy Nunwa is a guy who is great when he's playing, but he hasn't been healthy in two years. So it's, exactly. it, it's concerning. So I, I think addressing, you know, corner outside linebacker receiver and maybe, and, and this is my opinion, I, I think, and, and this is the last thing I want to talk about, 
I, th- I think adding a guy like Jason Peters, who's 38 years old, but still a top 10, 15 tackle, in my opinion, it would be smart to give them draft flexibility. Because let's say if yeah. there is a guy like Thomas there, who I don't necessarily think fits the Jets zone scheme greatly. I, th- I think he's more of a, a power gap counter type guy um, mm. than he is a zone guy. And you have a guy like Judy sitting there. If you have, you know, a guy in Peters that gives you some flexibility to take Judy, who in my, it, it, I watched eight guys. I watched the three, uh, the four offensive linemen, the three receivers, and and uh, Chase on. Judy's my number two overall player. So and uh, Will or uh, Becton's like number seven or eight. So um, I think it'd be smart to, to give them some flexibility. So what do you think about Peters and then trading for Trent Williams? If they just have to trade a second or third round pick for a yeah. guy who clearly wants out of Washington, thirty two years yeah. old. But he's still top five. He's he's elite tackle still. So no, he's still he's still an elite tackle. If they can figure out a way to work off to, to pull off a trade with him, mm-hmm. and maybe they're waiting until the actual draft to do something like that, um, they need to definitely do that. If he especially if he if he has interest, I mean obviously he wants to leave Washington, so he'll go any you know, I think he I don't want to say he'll go anywhere, but he's gonna have his share, you know, he's gonna have his say in where he ends up going. You know, to be honest with you, he's not just going to go out and sign with anyone. Um, so, yeah, if Trent Williams is available, I would definitely, you know, try to make a trade or, or work out something to get Trent Williams in. No, and I actually agree with, you know, I forgot Peters was out there. I would definitely sign Peters. Just sign him to a, to a three-year deal. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, okay. he, and he's on the back end, you know, of his career already. So, he's not going to command a lot of money. But for the kind of player that you're going to get, you know, paying him, um, a little bit more than what you what you may want to spend, yeah. you know, for him is worth it. You know, and obviously you can end up drafting, uh, you know, drafting someone, you know, drafting this replacement, you know, two or three years down the line or something like that. Um, so you do get that flexibility. Uh, you know, you get that flexibility either way with, you know, depending on, and I can't remember how many, what the number is, um, um, how many draft picks the Jets have in order to get Trent Williams. So you just, you know, it just depends on who wants what, well, you know, what, 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 you know, what, what the Redskins want. Yeah, they, they have, they have uh, one first, two seconds, uh, or, or, or sorry, t- uh, one second, two thirds. So if you want to throw up a second, listen, that gives, he, he's still an elite player for three yeah. or four or five years. Listen, no, he's, he's, he's worth a second or a third for sure. He's, he's 32 years old. He's going to want a contract, maybe 16, $17 million a year. I'm okay with paying it. Hopefully he's healthy. Um, but it offers you flexibility, like I said, so you don't have – you can go BPA. You know, like I said, you could draft Judy at 11 if you have a Trent Williams. Now, would you still like to go offense tackle? Maybe. And then, and then you start the tackle opposite of Trent Williams, and he starts, you know, in two, three years to take over for Williams at left tackle, whatever it may be. But I, I think it gives you that flexibility in the draft you need. And, and, it, and it's insurance, too. You know, you don't, you don't have to go tackle there. What if all the tackles are gone? There's a, there's a possibility exactly. the tackles are gone. And then you're, running at, then you're running into 2020 season with Fant and Adogo, which is not ideal. So right. I think adding one of those guys is smart for the Jets. Hopefully Joe Douglas does it. But um, let's get into uh, the plays of uh, Brashad Perriman. Like I said, Marcus, you know, you've already been on for 40 minutes. Anytime you got to drop off, just let me know and I'll finish it uh, solo. But, you know, the, the, uh, we appreciate you coming on for, for even one or two plays. Um, so <laughs> for, the, for, the, for this play, he's on the bottom. Um, actually here, let me, let me, let me do this too. And and I'll read these off. And then I want, if you disagree with any of these throughout the film review or what you already know of him, um, go ahead. But Brashad Perryman, 26 years old, 6'2", 215, uh, strengths for me, uh, size 6'2", 215, that size speed combo is good. Um, his top end speed, he ran like a 4'2", 6 at a combine. He still shows some of that. 
uh, acceleration. He varies his route speed, tracks ball very well, will box cornerbacks out for ball, uh, offers some yak ability, strong hands, plucks balls outside of his frame, uh, body control, holds his line well, will press into corners to create room on breaks, will attacks cornerbacks leverage, uh, uses hand or chicken wing to create room uh, or push off in routes, Decent at finding a soft spot in defenses. Hands catcher. Uh, shows some variety in releases. Able to maintain good top-end speed while looking back for the ball. Uh, forces cornerbacks to open early because of legitimate deep speed. Okay variety in overall route running technique uh, techniques, including get even, shuffles, skip, uh, skips, uh, skip steps, foot fire, short strides. And for weaknesses, I have down route running uh, needs work overall, which you see on the first play. Uh, yeah. Rounded uh, routes. Uh, needs to commit more to breaks. Needs to needs more aggressive stop steps. Uh, needs to fight to stay over uh, over his toes on his breaks. Shoulders come up high too often before uh, breaks, tipping cornerbacks off. Uh, spotty injury history can get better with hand fighting. Being more ready for aggressive jams. Uh, doesn't bring same intensity into all routes, especially when he feels he won't be targeted or sees help uh, deep on deep on a deep route. Mm-hmm. Could add variety to releases. Uh, too often cuts off inside foot on inward breaking routes or vice versa. Um, needs to get hips out of routes uh, quicker and three more. Uh, very inconsistent break step. Uh, would like to see him attack blind spots more and needs work on speed cuts. And all that stuff you're going to see in, in this break, uh, I mean, in this breakdown for the most part. And I believe, and I'll just play it too while I'm, while I'm speaking. He's, he's on the bottom right there, Marcus. And this is a, an example of, which is not, it's not, it's not a terrible route on the bottom, but this is where I talked about where he needs to commit more to his breaks. You see him on the bottom right there. You yeah. really, you really want to see him throw that stop out. <laughs> or, you know, people call it break step. People call it a, a stop step. People, you know, whatever you want to call it. I, I call it a break step. Um, break B-R-A-K-E, not B-R-E-A-K. <laughs> right. So, I think I, you don't you don't ever want to like lunge into it, which I, th- I think he does a fine job throwing to his bot. You know, I think he does a fine job throwing that that step out there. But what I, what I want to see more is him not sitting back as much as he does. You see how he's like you know, and I'll have to explain this to you. But for the people who are listening, he's sitting back like almost into a chair into his break. He's not co- uh, committing fully to his break, which is going to take him longer to get out of his break. You see at, at this top, there's, there's some dead time right there at the top of his break. So I'll right. see more, you know, uh, chest over his knees right there and get out of that break faster. Um, I don't know if you see anything different, Marcus, what are you, what are you seeing from, from this break uh, on the bottom from, from Perryman? Well, no, I mean, I see exactly the same thing that you're talking about. And I think because of his body posture, it does, you know, it takes him longer to come out of his break than, than it would if he has, if he has his, his, as you explained it, his chest over, you know, his chest over his knees or a more, you know, somewhat upright position. The thing with longer guys, um, and this is all longer guys, where you're playing wide out, even at corner. I mean, and I had to, and I had to change this up when I was playing. When you're a longer, taller guy, you have to focus on, on, on one, it starts with um, keeping your body posture, you know, at a certain angle, whether it be, you know, a little bit over your knees when you're coming out of your break or, you know, still, um, a little bit more upright when you, you know, so you stay above your frame. And then for a lot of guys that are long striders or, you know, even fast guys, you really have to, you have to chop your stride down. So what I mean by that is you just get, yeah. you, you lift your knees up a little bit higher. Um, and what that does is, is you get a little bit more turnover, but it cuts off about half a step each time you step. So in doing that, it allows you to keep your, your, footwork and keep your hips and everything underneath your frame so now you can make these hard cuts or you can take the hard break step and come out of your wrap quicker you know and snap out of it uh with him you see how he just kind of glides into it or he's trying to slow down 
Um, he's sitting back. He's over to me. Like he's over. He's still overstriding. Like right at that point where he could be a little bit more upright. And, so you want to see those steps more under his frame a yeah, little. Yeah, you, you want to see it. You want to see his feet under his frame a little bit more. So now he can, you know, create those angles to come out of the break a little faster. You know, because here, I mean, even though the the DBS is worried about his deep speed, but because mm-hmm. he's so slow coming out of the break, the, the defensive back has a chance to recover, and he's right on top of it. You know, if that if that makes sense. Yeah, no, it definitely it definitely does. Yeah, so 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 next play, and like I said, some of his route work definitely, and there's and there's some flashes of him running some good routes, but um, overall, you're gonna see a decent amount of rounded routes. Like I said, when you're when you're cutting inside, you, you never really want to break off of the inside foot. Sometimes you see him leaning a little bit, like if he is making mm-hmm. a speed cut, you kind of see him cheating where he's leaning a little bit before he he takes that you know the break step B R E A K. Maybe I should just come up from different words for the for the steps so people don't get confused. <laughs> um, so and and this play, um, you could look at it from two from two different ways. Uh, he's he's on the bottom right here, and the first down marker is it's it's a little you can see it right here on the top of the screen. Um, it is the the twenty four yard line, and I think for just for me, I think he cuts a little bit too soon. Um, yeah. It's 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 not anything drastic, and a lot of people will say, okay, well, you know, he could he should have kept running his route, and you could look at it two ways. Maybe he should have kept running his route. Did he know that there was some congestion in the middle, so he wanted to kind of sit in the soft spot and wait for Jameis to hit him? Or did Jameis you know, know he was going to sit in that soft spot a little bit and throw the ball too far in front of him? Um, you could offer some more insight into, into that, Marcus, or maybe you disagree that it's, it's an either-or type of thing. But um, regardless, I, I like the adjustment to the ball. I like the, I like the body control right there. Obviously, hands catch. He catches the ball. Um, he is able to bring that in. So I, I like the adjustment to the ball and the catch. Um, the route. What are your What are your thoughts on on that? What should he have kept running it? Was he trying to sit in the soft spot and Jameis let him too far? Well, I think he cut it off too short, uh, and I'm sure Bruce Arians jumped his ass about it as well. Before the first down marker, yeah. you're talking about. Yeah, I mean, you yeah. at least want to be a yard. You want to make that cut a yard, at least a yard above the first down marker. Mm-hmm. And if you look at the throw, I think that's what Jameis is expecting. To tell you the truth, if you look at the angle of the throw and the trajectory, he's expecting Perriman to be a little deeper than where where he is. You know, and if he's deeper, you know, even with that, even with that safety coming over late, that safety is not going to get there. He's because Perriman's going to be higher than he is, um, so he's not going to even have an opportunity to get there. So if he runs his route, you know, at the correct depth, which I think this is what the problem is, um, you know, based mm-hmm. off of the first down marker and just looking at the throw of Jamison, you know, he cut it off short. So I mean, he's got to improve with that. You know, yeah. and, and that's and that's and that's in every offense. You're not just running right at the marker. Usually, your target is a yard past the first down marker, especially when, you run in, when you're running these quick, you know, in-cuts, drag routes, um, smash routes, anything like that. You want to at least be a yard, uh, you know, a yard to two yards, you know, in front of the first down marker. Yeah, because, you know, even if, even if you do have to attack the ball or, or, you know, like flatten out the route, like people say, um, to kind of, you know, uh, limit the, the cornerback's effectiveness on driving to the ball, um, you want to offer yourself a little bit more insurance with with the with the route. So, yep. um, so Perryman defeat arm. I I marked this down as a bet. I don't remember exactly what this play is. Let's see. So he is going to be. Let me play it. I can tell how by strides. Should be at the. Let's see here. Hold on. He is the outside receiver. Okay. Yeah. So. He's yeah he's the he's the outside receiver. Um, the one thing, I I think I think you know so right now he you know just speed release he comes off the ball. 
Um, I think he sells vertical, you know, relatively well. Shoulders down right here. Um, mm -hmm. His shoulders do come up a pretty pretty high before he breaks. A little bit too soon for me personally. Uh, before he breaks, you know, he's tipping off a break. You can see yeah. the quarterback gear down a little bit. And with this break, this is where I talk about him. Him kind of, you see, him, he's he's almost leaning into the break a little bit, and he cuts off of his inside inside foot. I don't know in many situations where you want to cut off your inside foot. The way I have learned, like even like speed cuts and things like that, you're just not going to take a stop step. You're just going to break. So right. and that's still off of the outside foot or the direction you're cutting in um, or the opposite foot of the direction you're cutting in. So I don't like the fact that his shoulders come up a little bit too high right here before the break and that he's cutting off of the inside foot. And then paired with that, I'll like to see him defeat that inside hand because that, 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 it, that hand of the corner, obviously the corner's hips are opened outside. And if he, even though he didn't run the greatest route, if he was to defeat that arm, he's pretty much he he, he wins that post. He wins, um, post, yeah. So, but he doesn't defeat he doesn't defeat the arm even with a rounded break. So, um, anything to 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 add to that, Marcus? And I'll play it again in, in in full speed. No, I mean I think I think you're exactly right. To tell you the truth, one you want to cut off the outside foot, and yeah, two be more violent. You know, crossing the face of the DB. You know, if he's if he knocks the hand down now. You know, because without defeating the, the arm, you know, the, I guess the arm of the, the defensive back, he yeah. uses your momentum to, mm -hmm. you know, continue to turn with him. You know, when, he, when in essence, all you got to do is knock the arm down because he's already locked out. Yeah, so look at all that movement he creates from throwing out that, like, the, right. it's like a containment right. punch. Like that, all that movement is all from Perryman. He's not going to stick with that route if he, if he defeats that arm. Exactly, yeah. So if he just knocks the arm down, he's gone. That's six. I mean, tell you the truth, and he, and he beats the route. But I mean, this is obviously something he's got to get better at doing. And again, just remember, I guess full time, you got to remember with the injuries history, um, how him coming out early, he's still learning how to play wide receiver. I mean, tell you to be honest yeah. with you. Yeah. And honestly, you know, and this is just my opinion. I do think he was even towards the end of the year when he was playing well, he was more of a product of who he had around him. I mean, you play with Mike Evans, Godwin. Yeah, that's his name. Um, you know, when yeah. you got guys like yeah, you got guys like that, you know, around you and they're drawing all the attention, somebody's gotta be open. You know, and it, it just so happy, you know, it, it ended up being pyramid. So mm -hmm. um that's why right now, um, you know, actually going back to a conversation that you had before, whether it be Judy or even CeeDee Lamb, to tell you the truth, um, yeah. or even, you know, somebody like a Jalen Rager or the kid out of Colorado, I can't remember his name. They're actually, you know, ahead of they're ahead of most college players in regards to their route running. So Pyramid can end up being the deep guy and let those other guys be the ones working the middle, working the curls, the digs, um, you know, you know, speed, you know, deep, whether it be comebacks or speed outs, you know, I would let those guys, um, you know, work that, you know, that part of it and, and really kind of let Pyramid be the more the deep guy. Yeah. Yeah. And, and a lot of people and listen, I, I I definitely don't know everything, but I see a lot of draft analysts saying that Ruggs would be the best fit for the Jets. I, I don't understand that at all with how Adam Gase runs his offense and already having a deep threat guy like Perryman. Um, so I, I don't agree with that at all. But and like I said, I, I think Lamb is even a better fit than, um, you know, than, than a guy like uh, Ruggs. So, like Ruggs, yeah. Yeah, so uh, right here you, got, you, got, you have cover one. And this is a, be this is a better route from um, – Perryman, he's he is the number two on the top in the slot until uh, obviously uh, Godwin has that you know that motion. So this is a better route for for me personally. I, I like you could see where he starts out 
and then you're gonna see him you're gonna see him stem towards the corner to make him feel uncomfortable. You don't want to just let them maintain their leverage because they're gonna feel comfortable. So he gets on his on the toes, and he gives them like a little. Uh, th- I, this is what I call like he breaks them down, or he gives them a little bit of like a short stride right there, where he shortens up his strides, and it looks like he gives them a little head a uh, little head stab outside. Mm-hmm. Corner fights to maintain that outside leverage, and boom, he's wide open on the posts. So this is a much better route for me from from Perryman. So like I said he shows flashes of that route running. Um, do you agree with that? With that, Marcus? Yeah, I think that was a good rap. I mean, you just—I mean, it's just a stutter post. Um, mm-hmm. and, he, and obviously, the corner's eyes—the uh, the corner's eyes are bad because I mean that stutter's not great. It's—I mean, it's not bad, but it's not great. You know, to tell you the truth. Well, yeah, um, yeah corner played it bad by opening up his hips yeah. like that. He kind of screwed but, himself. I mean, but you know, with Tapiraman's credit, at least he sells it. You know what I'm saying? You know, he does a good job of selling it. You know, lowering his hips, breaking down, making the corner think he's going to step off the route and then continues into the post. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I mean, yeah. So that's a decent route. Yeah, I mean, if if the ball's thrown, I think it's yeah. I mean, he's open. Yeah, it's it's six. Like I said, he's he shows some flashes. Like I said, there's I don't ever see like top notch uh, route running from him, but uh, overall, it's not it's not terrible. It's just not good. But with like I think with guys like him, where he offers this 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 size and speed that he does, and the ability to win contested balls. You know, obviously, you'd like it to be perfect route running, but it isn't necessarily needed at all times. And, and like you said, he's not a number one, uh, a number two maybe, but like a number three deep threat, you know, fine. Yeah. So let's see this one. All right. So, yeah, this is a play that I, I, I knocked him for in terms of route running, you know, um, as well. Again, I don't think he – when he comes into this break, like a short in, he doesn't commit fully to the break again. Um, and he's not really getting that, that, that break foot, um, the right foot, like – upfield enough where he can break break off of it you know sharply inside on that in route um and the second part of the route that i don't like is that he he doesn't flatten his angle right here you know that the corner is is in you know let's just call it squat coverage or off man whatever you want to call it and you give by by him kind of uh taking his angle a little too vertical right there you're allowing the corner to undercut that route so i would see him as i say you know uh air quotes flatten your angle a little bit um, so what do you think about the, the, the route and the, and the route break right here from him? Well, I, mean, I think initially he, he doesn't, he doesn't threaten the corner at all. I mean, if you look at the corner, I mean, obviously they're playing, you know, they're playing a little bit of zone coverage like they're playing some corner too, like Tampa, but um, yeah, yeah. I mean, he, he's not really threatening. He's not really threatening the corner at all. The corner's just sitting there. Um, he's not, you know, making him move one way or another. If anything, stemming my side a little bit and create and give yourself a little bit more space to work in. Uh, you know, when you're running this slant. Uh, obviously, it's hard for him to flatten it out because as he's coming, you got to, you know, you got the slot corner sitting in there, uh, you know, the nickel sitting right there, so you can't really flatten it out too much. Mm-hmm. But if you create a little bit more space, you know, stemming him outside, making the corner move, you know, at least shuffle outside a little bit, now you give okay. yourself a little, more, you know, a little bit more room to come back in and run this slant. But to me, he just doesn't, he didn't threaten the corner at all. Uh, I mean... Now, if I was playing corner, I wouldn't move at all either. I mean, because he's not yeah. really doing anything to me. He's just running straight. The the you know the I guess the move or the shake or whatever it is is slow. You know, and and now the corner has the opportunity to make a play on the ball. Yeah, it's uh, and even with like his break a little bit, like I think he's he's he, like again, like he he doesn't commit to the break. He's already kind of leaning out of the break before he he commits to it. So it makes it kind right. of like like see how like it's pretty rounded right there. Rounded, yeah. You know, yeah, and, um, and, there's, and there's not a lot of explosion coming out of any any of his breaks, to be honest with you. And with like this, he, he doesn't explode out of his breaks. You know, he he falls into them, or 
as you said, he kind of leans into his breaks. There's no explosiveness, you know, coming out of the break. Yeah, I think that 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 uh, that break foot's a little bit too shallow right there on that on the uh, the right foot. That that kind of makes his his uh, I call that for me that's break drive line um, with that with that type of break right there and break drive. That drive foot is really far outside of his frame right there, so it really forces it to be to be rounded. Yeah. Um, so at least he's more commitment from the route and and you know. Um, with flattening out and you were right, you know, with that guy being in there and it's, you know, I guess a little bit over an oversight by me with the, with the corner coming in, but overall still with the route break, I didn't necessarily um, love it. And you saw, and you saw the entire time with the corners, hips being pointed, he, he didn't threaten him at all. He took like two shuffles backwards and that was right. pretty much it. So he didn't threaten him at all. Um, and if he made him flip his hips, you know, even just a little bit more to the outside, made him angle off, he would have had a much easier break inside. So um, this next route, let's see. So top. he, yeah, yeah, to, yeah, uh, no, yeah, he's right here. So they run like a, oh, sorry. yeah, yeah, no, it's okay. Uh, him, the, you know what the hardest thing Marcus was is driving me crazy. Wait until I show you when they wear their red jerseys with their gray numbers. You cannot see the numbers, and it's really hard to tell him and Godwin apart. You'll see, it's it's brutal. Oh. <laughs> um, so they they run like a like a uh, I, I would call this like a smash a variation yeah, to, smash, the, to the bottom yeah. right there. Um, mm-hmm. Some people, when when you have like that in break, call it like China. Uh, I, right. I'm, we're just gonna go. We're just gonna go smash. And this is a little. Bit, he does this all the time. You're gonna see this a lot through the through, uh, through his film. So he you know presses up the field. He does that little. I call it like a hop step. See the left foot. Yeah. So left. Left. He does that all the time. Now for me, it kind of throws off the the cornerback's timing. Um, you have to be careful though, because right now you don't have contact with the ground. So I don't necessarily love that he doesn't have contact with the ground right there, but it kind of throws off the timing and it allows him, in my opinion, to eat up less space before he breaks where the corner maybe expects him to take another step. Um, it's an okay break. I don't love it that he does it all the time, but he does this all, you know, like I said, hop step all the time. Um, close the ground, Hop step breaks outside. He he does this little like you know push off off of the uh, off with the left hand into the left shoulder, and then he's he's you know listen it's only a yard but I think he's open so I think that's a little bit better of a route than we've been seeing it's it's but it's not overall it's not like amazing but I think it's a little bit better. Yeah, it's a little bit better. Um, I mean, I'm not a huge fan of the hop step. To tell you the truth, for really the reasons that you gave, um, you know, being caught you know being caught up in the air and then now. I mean, honestly, as a corner, and I'm thinking about this, if you're, if you're giving me a hop step before you make your route, usually I'm going to attack you, especially if I'm studying and I know you do that. He does it I'm a gonna, lot too, which I'm I was going to say. Gonna, it gives I'm really going to yeah, time it out to where, okay, I know the hop step is coming, uh, depending on what the route is, and I'm actually going to attack you while you're, you know, while you're making that hop step. So mm-hmm. now you just, you know, you just gave me an advantage. Um, you know, so, I mean, that's why I don't like it. You know, I like, especially with somebody with his speed, um, and I know we're in the red zone here, so it's it's kind of hard to do. But if anything, you still got to threaten. You know, he's got to threaten the DB more. I mean, he doesn't really threaten him. He's just kind of running the route, if that makes sense. You know, there's no real urgency in him getting out of the break into the route. Um, he doesn't threaten the corner, if anything. I mean, you know the corner's playing inside leverage. Threaten his inside leverage. You know, threaten his inside shoulder pad. Make him, you know, either shuffle laterally or um, – Open up, you know, inside, and then snap back out outside. Yeah, you gotta be, yeah, you gotta be, you gotta be creative, especially because of the of of where you where the alignment is. Uh, tell you the truth, I mean, because because honestly, if I'm Tennessee, instead of saying on this, I just look at my corner and be like, just give them a signal. We play in and out, in and out, and like everything's done anyway. So you know, but if you know that you know Tennessee doesn't do that, 
which they, they don't on this play, you at least got to gotta threaten the defensive back's leverage, uh, you know, and try to either make him maintain that leverage, especially since he's playing outside, you know, inside now, mm-hmm. and you know that you're running an outside route, threaten his leverage more. Because here he's yep. just running the route and just kind of leaning into the route, you know, as he's done on, on, you know, on the ones that we've seen already. Yeah, there's like the two different mindsets, and there could be more. Uh, you either are going to threaten vertically with with your shoulders, or you're going to attack their leverage. Right. Um, and here, obviously, he's playing so far inside; he does not want to get beat inside. So I, you know, I definitely agree with you. Where attack his leverage a little bit, and maybe give him, you know, a little bit of a rocker step where you're going to exactly. you're going to come on that right foot and, and and head fake inside, and then break back outside with that left. So attack his leverage, you know, right off of the stem, and then give him a rocker to the outside. You know, and like you said. And you're going to see it a lot, which is why I don't like it. The hop step, okay, if you're going to use it every once in a while, fine. But he uses it all the time. So, like you said, if you're studying this, which corners do, um, you're going to see that hop step. And you already know, one, he's going to be off of his – he's going to have no contact with the ground. So, you have him for that split second, do whatever you want with him. And two, if he's going to do that hop step, then you know he's breaking that – you know, the opposite way of that foot. So, right here, if you're studying his film, you know he's breaking outside. So, now you're going to fight hard to stay over the top, you know. So, I always see him change it up a little bit more because he does do that too much. Um, Like I said, overall, it's not a bad route. I think it's a decent route, but there's definitely more he he could have done, at least in in my – in your opinion. Um, And, like I said, there's going to be some stuff I'm wrong on, but it definitely feels good to have a a defensive back who played in the NFL back me up with some things. (laughs) So, it already makes my – my – you know, my head that's poofy a little bit bigger. I'm kidding. But, um, okay, so – he is on the uh, bottom right here. They run like a tight, like a like a tight inverted slot, whatever you want to call it, um, formation to the bottom. And so this this release to me, it's uh, it's okay. Uh, what it, what I call that is a shuffle release when you're when you're when you're shuffling like that with your, with your feet staggered and you're mm-hmm. working laterally, you know, automatically. It's called a shuffle release. And I'm fine with a shuffle release. You know, it, it gives you some time to diagnose what the cornerback is doing. It lets you close the ground and get them on their, on their heels a little bit, which obviously doesn't do right here. But my problem with this route isn't the shuffle release uh, necessarily. You, you could think differently, obviously, Marcus. Um, my problem is when he's closing ground, that he needs to be, and I like how he's pumping his arms kind of, but he needs to be more ready for that punch. If you're going to close ground, you got to be ready for that punch. He gets punched. Uh, the quarterback, the quarterback, uh, the cornerback lands both hands, which the corner has to be careful. You, you shoot two hands, it locks your hips. He gets both hands on, he completely shuts down the route. So I'm not, I don't have issues with necessarily the, the, the initial release, but he needs to be ready for those hands and to break. Yeah. I mean, I guess the only thing that I would say, I don't like that release in that situation is just because of the alignment, because you really, when you're doing the shuffle release, you actually, you need more room you know, as a, as a wide receiver to truly commit to, you know, to truly try to make the defensive back move. Mm-hmm. Uh, just because of the alignment and, and the tight, you know, the stack split that, that he and his teammate have, he doesn't have the opportunity to give, you know, make threaten the defensive back in any kind of way, you know, laterally and, and make him get off his spot. So now the DB knows, all right, he's got a guy behind him, but he sees the wide receiver, you know, right off of, of Pyramid's hip. You know, he doesn't have to move that much. So now, you know, that's why you get the quick jam. Um, and I like to see him be, you know, a lot more violent with his hands, you know, especially yeah. if you're doing that shuffle release, you know, obviously a lot of guys, when they do it, especially bigger guys, you know, they leave their chest exposed and they raise up. And the first thing, you know, a DB does is, you know, once he sees, you know, he sees that open spot, you know, he's punching, you know, immediately. So, you yeah. know, if you're going to do that, you got to be ready as a wide out to be able to be violent with your hands, uh, you know, so you can at least minimize the punch or, you know, make him miss the punch altogether. You know, that's, I mean, that's just kind of what I see. 
uh, you know, from what he does here. Because once the BB gets his hands on him, you know, the route's over. Because yeah. being being caught in that shuffle release, you look at his base at the bottom, now his feet are wide, he's got to regather. At that point, the defensive back is in control now, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, it's harder to break off of when, you're, when your base is that right. wide. Right, exactly, yeah. So the DB is in control now. That's why now, you know, once he evens up with him and the DB's, you know, got his hands on him, you know, the route's over at this point. Yeah, see the you I'm a, you know from based on what you're saying, you kind of want to see a more assertive release. Um, you know, maybe yeah. a hard stab outside, or maybe even like a like a uh, like a split release. Uh, at least where I call what I call it, where you're going to bring that back foot back to create some some room, but also right. be kind of attacking him leaning forward. Where maybe right. he's punching now, he's leaning a little bit into it. It's a little bit easier to defeat his hands with that like split release. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, yeah. Like I said, I, I don't, I don't love the for the reasons you said the the shuffle release right here, um, because there's not enough room to do it. Um, uh, and he gets and he gets jammed, and and the play is over right there. Uh, which like I said, the, if he was more violent with his hands, maybe he does beat this, and the corner is screwed because when you when you're throwing both hands like that, it's locking your hips. Exactly. Um, but he doesn't. He doesn't. He didn't give himself that opportunity. So, uh, next play. Get even swipe. This is at least what I marked as a get even. I don't know if it is, which I watch again. Okay, so the same same formation. You, you call that like that stack split, inverted yeah. tight slot, whatever. People right. have so much different terminology. It's it's just absurd. <laughs> right. Yeah, so um, I I I don't necessarily love the, the, the kind of the wasted step right there. Yeah, that's that's a lot of motion right there from from the beginning of his route. But he uses like that get even. I I call that a get even where you're bringing your back foot even with your front foot, and it's supposed to allow you know a, a two way go right there. Um, that's at least what I call a get even. But like I said a little bit of wasted wasted movement right there at the beginning of the route. Um, just giving them you know some some arm pumps right there, fakes to the outside. The corner is not the 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 best corner because he's he already he's already sitting back and kind of goes to, like hug him, locks exactly. his hips out, and then it looks like he. It's hard to tell. It looks like he uh, swipes it and then and then punches through or down with that with that right uh, hand. So he gets room right there. And listen, maybe not the best release, but this is one of the plays where I talk about where oh, Jameis Winston threw the ball to him a lot at the end of the season because of whatever. Um, this is a this is an example where in the NFL that's open, Marcus. It, oh, no doubt. That's open. So, what do you think All about the release? It, it, I mean, it's a decent release. I mean, the corner's playing. I mean, even though it's bad, I mean, he's playing outside position because he has a post safety in there. I mean, that's one of the things that Seattle does, mm-hmm. um, you know, especially against against whether it be reduced splits or a uh, bunch formations, things like that. You know, they, you know, they truly, you, you know, under, use their help and understand what their help is. Uh, so that's why you normally see, you know, their inside guys that are covering the slide, they're playing outside because uh, either backers there and you have a post safety there. But I mean, the reason the release, I mean, it's not bad. I mean, if anything, I don't like the waste of motion, obviously, at the, you know, from the start. And I mean, and this is just me personally from, I mean, the little wide receiver or whatever it is that I played, I'm shooting inside right now. So now, you know, and this is just me. If I'm, if I see this, this corner lined up and he's playing outside, I'm going to shoot inside, you know, really fast. I may give him a fake outside and then shoot inside and then get back into my, you know, into my seven route what he does instead of wasting space here um you know and i don't know if that's a he, bo- he bows it out or bows it inward a little bit yeah i mean but i, w- I would even take it in a little bit more you know you almost make it like a true banana route you know it's like okay. old school term for it um you know because here i mean even though i mean even though yeah that's open i agree with you um if the corner is playing you know just in a little bit better position i mean that's covered 
you know, and you don't really, you know, you don't really, you got to threaten the DB like one way or another because any crossing route or anything like that, yes, the DB has to get ready to run. Uh, so if you're threatening them by taking, by doing a speed release, so now when you snap back on the seven route, you know, most of the time as a, you know, as those, those corners, they get caught behind. So now you're really ahead. Um, so I just like, yeah, especially if you were, time. especially if you were to give them like, you know, if you were to do that, that speed release, get it, get it, you know, stack them fast. And yes. If you were to stack them, give them like a bam step, you right. know, uh, you know, head fake to the, to the left with an elbow jam to, to the right. Um, with a hard step off of the left and it kind of throws off the corner. So if you're to give them like a stacked bam step on top of that corner route, I think it would be um, more effective. Um, yeah. No. And again, if, even if you look when he's running into the route, he's not even really, he doesn't do anything. He's just running it. He's just running the route. You yeah. Know? You know, there's a difference, there's a difference between running routes and just running the route. You know, and I, know <laughs> I know that sounds, no, I get you know, it. I know, I know it I sounds, you know, you know, for a lot of people, it may sound weird, but yep. you know, anybody can just run a route. Mm -hmm. you, know, you have to run the route, you know, with urgency and have a purpose when you're, when you're actually running the route and you're committed to the route. Yeah. I was trying to, I was, I was, and you know, Scott, you know, Scott Mason from doing a podcast, you guys did like to look back at the Monday night miracle, whatever you did, like play by play. Yeah. We were doing a podcast on Tristan Wirfs and I was saying because of his wrestling background, he's when even when he's off balance, he's still kind of on balance. And it's it's really hard to explain to somebody, but it, right. it, it I was so I was I was like, I don't know how to explain this, but he's on balance even when he's off balance, which uh makes little to no sense. So um I'm just gonna run this play through. There's not really much that needs to be said with this, minus the fact that I, I like that he continues with the play. Um he's on yeah. the bottom right here. That's really it. I want to add this just because it's a it's it's a lucky play. Um, breaks inside quickly on the you call it a quick slant off of that one step, um, and they run to to me what I what I call um, a scissors concept to the top, yeah. and the ball gets tipped by who Winston just chucks it up. Ball gets tipped, and I like how he stays in bounds and, and catches the ball. Uh, yeah, I, mean, I don't know if you like to see this when you're when you're scouting guys and things like that, but I I, I like to see a touchdown like this. So yeah, I mean you got to finish the play. That's really it. From both sides. You know, DB, if you go catch it or knock it down, do either one. And if you're wide out, balls in the air, you know, make, you know, go make a play on it. Mm -hmm. Except a chance. So, yeah, I definitely like that. You know, staying with it, finishing the play. I do like that. Yeah, well, there's guys in, in the NFL who, at that point, when, once they're not targeted, will just give up on the play, put their head down, whatever it may be. Hopefully not a lot of them, but there are some who do it. So, I just, you know, figure out how to point it out. Um, so, this play – Okay, yeah, so he, he's, he's in the motion right here, um, and they're going to run, you know, like a pick on the bottom right here or like a, intended to be a rub, um, at least in, in my opinion. And they are running – they're trying to lull this cornerback to sleep. You could tell, obviously, it's, it's, a, it's a man coverage. It's like – you'd already tell from before the motion, like this corner's overlook, at least what I call it. And they're trying to lull him to sleep, like, okay, he's going to the flat. So I like how he alters his route speed right here where you can oh. see that, that Perryman is running really slow. And then right here he's going to kick into high gear. So I like that, and then I like the catch for sure. Like I said, he has he has the good body control right here. Um, he tracks the ball well, in my opinion. Um, nice hands catch. So, um, what are your thoughts on this play, this 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 route, this this catch from uh from Perryman? Well, no, it's actually a good setup. I mean, it's just, I mean, it's all it is is it's just fake screen and go. Um, mm -hmm. You know, and he does a good job of at least slowing down, selling the fake. That, okay, I'm going to block the you know block the other DB. Um, so he does do that, do that well. And the corner does slow down, which is, you know, where Perryman catches him. So once he takes off now, boom, the, the DB is looking back for whatever reason, um, you know, trying to see, trying to see the players that are staying on Perryman. And, you know, Perryman does a good job, a good job of selling the route. Um, 
and definitely, you know, great catch with the hands, mm-hmm. um, you know, good body control, you know, making the adjustment, keeping your feet in bounds. Uh, I mean, so, I mean, these are things that I think he is good at doing, you know, to tell you the truth, you know, this part, you know, just because of, you know, what he did in college, you know, he did a lot of this in college. This is just kind of his thing, um, you know, more so than the, you know, than the actual route running, you know, that he needs to improve on. Uh, he's definitely good at controlling his body, you know, definitely catches with his hands. So, uh, you know, and I think, you know, this, this clip shows that. Yeah. And, and the good thing about the catch too, is that he's not just catching the ball. Like this is like the little things that I'm sure that you look for that I, you know, I personally look for. I like how the hands are tight right here and he yeah. catches the tip of the ball. He's not catching the middle of the ball, the backside of the ball. I like the, the you know, catching the tip right there. Um, yeah good sideline awareness, get his feet in. So there's, like I said, there's definitely some good things he off, he offers um, play 11 open in at least what I call the honey hole. So cover two, you have the uh, curl flat, the, the cloud corner um, on the bottom. And this is another one where he uses the, this is almost like a, like I call it like a, like a, like a skip step right there. Yeah where he's not bringing that, that left foot uh, fully up in front of it. He's, he's just bringing it halfway to kind of skip off of it. Like I said, that's, that's like a skip release, whatever you want to call it. That's what I call it. Um, so uses that. He obviously comes off the ball. He's threatening the DB a little not, – not too much. I like to see his shoulders maybe even a little bit more down. Uses that little skip step um, or skip release, I should call it. I guess, I guess that's more of a skip release than a skip step because I, I call the other thing a skip step. Um, does that the corner is not playing this well at all. In, no, in my opinion, really leaning, not at all. Really leaning for that. He defeats the hands with let's call it a like a double swipe, um, and gets past him. He's opening that in that honey hole on the, in the uh, Tampa two defense. Yeah. Um, I think the release is okay. I think the corner kind of plays it a little bit. More, yeah, I think, like worse than I think he plays it well. In my opinion, watching it again. Yeah, no, I think it's more in the corner. I mean, because the corner should be one. He should be he should be funneling them inside. You playing Tampa. Um, yeah, he's playing heads up to inside. Yeah, he's playing heads up to inside. Yes, you want to – I mean, obviously the threat of the slant is there, but, you know, you always want to make sure, especially where Perryman is lined up, you know, you're lined up head up to outside. So you're, re- you're rewriting him, you know, inside to your, you know, to your safety, to where all your help is. You know, I think this is more, this is more on the corner than it actually being a great release. Yeah, yeah and uh, the, like I said, the release is okay. Like I said, there's just some. I was just showing some variance in the release. Like I said, this is a skip release to me, um, where that where that right foot is you know going to jam hard outside or whatever, um, and then that left foot's not going to come fully up, and it's just going to he's going to skip off of it. So they call it skip release, uh, double swipe, and then he gets open. Um, not great by the corner. Like I said, he should be playing outside leverage, especially in a cover two, because even if he is to beat you inside on a drag or, you know, a short slam, whatever it may be, you have guys inside where you, you know, you rally, you make the tackle. Uh, you right. don't want to get beat deep right there. Um, so not a good play by the, by the corner. So let's see play number 12. Short arm release. All right. So he is on the, this looks like him to me. All right. Is he's on the bottom. Okay, yeah. So this is what I call a, a short arm. Um, when they're when they're going to be outside leverage, uh, you're going to have an aiming point of a yard or two, um, you know, past that short arm. And this is what I call the short arm when you're outside leverage. So it's a short arm release. He attacks one or two yards outside of the of, of his initial alignment, um, gets him to obviously shuffle outside. 
uh, the corner doesn't have his hands ready. I like to see him try to get his hands on right here. He allows a, a right. break, you know, <laughs> right right inside of him. But he uses a short arm. He he widens him out a little bit. Um, I don't know. Hold on, let me see his feet, his feet right here. My computer screen is a little bit weird. Again, he used that short arm, but he uses that like that skip step again right there. He's, like, I kept talking about it, Marcus, with that that yeah. hop. I don't love that. How he's he's not he's no contact with the ground right there. Um, but again, it kind of throws off, I guess, the cornerback's rhythm, and it allows him to make a, a quicker break. But um, the corner doesn't play it too well. But I think it's an okay release with the short arm. Yeah, I mean, at least he threatens him there. Um, he threatens the, the, the corner's leverage. Um, what I would like to see him do is once he does create that space, boom, with the swipe, now stack him right now. Yeah. Instead of just running down the field. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? You know, right after you make this move, boom, you get the swipe. The corner's yeah. behind you now. Yeah, go ahead and stack him and cut him <laughs> off. So now, now you create separation. You know, obviously the corner's behind you, but you give your quarterback an opportunity to throw the ball outside, you know, which is where the landmark is anyway, and it's away from the post safety. Um, so, you know, you do, you do, you know, two or three things at one time just by, by second, you know, by stacking the corner. But I do like the way that he, he actually, you know, he attacked the leverage this time, you know, to, you know, he at least yeah, yeah. made the corner move, attack him, attack him, boom, knock the hand down. And then once you knock the hand down, now you, but I like to see that arm, I like to see it more, don't just swipe it wide like he did. You know, you want it to be within your running motion. So the swipe is down, you know, with your elbow tight, you know, to yeah. your, you know, tight to your body frame, swiping it down, then taking the, the angle to, to, to stack the DB. The one thing with the swipe too is like when, from what I've learned, when you see those swipes, you don't really want to see the, like the arm extended and like that, right. like it's that, just, uh, yeah. That smooth, like you don't want to see the arm, like from from you'll see my mouse. You don't want to see this arm extended, because right. that's really limiting your your area of effectiveness. Where if you were to kind of chop it down, where your arm where exactly. your arm was more bent, you cover more area, um, yeah. so you don't have to be as accurate with that hand. Because right here, you're only going to swipe that one tiny area. Where if it's, if he was to keep it a little bit tighter, like you said, and maybe swipe it more down with like a, you know, I'm not good with angles at all. I just, I'm not good with it. But if he was to swipe more with his arm down to the ground, with his forearm down to the ground, it kind of covers more distance or more right. ground. Um, like you said, you're saying right here, you want him to, to work to stack him over top. Yeah, go ahead and stack him. Yeah, take the angle and cut him off. But again, so it's not the perfect route. It's okay. It's an okay route. Like you said, I, I think he does a better job with, uh, you know, attacking the cornerback's leverage. Uh, but yeah, but go, again, the reason, this is why I say you want to stack him. Go back and slow it down right. I'll tell you when to slow it down or when to stop it. Keep going. Now go into the route. So when the ball comes in the frame, that's when I want you to stop it. Okay. So you see a ball right. Stop right there. Okay. So if you stack him, like we were talking about, look where the ball is and, and look where he would be. Yeah. Because that's where the best quarterbacks are taught, especially on deep routes versus pro safeties, you want the ball to be high and outside. Is you know, like two yards from the sideline. It's, it's kind of the landmark. So if you stack the wide out, now you, get, you actually get back on your landmark. So now you've, you've created space from the post safety and you've you know, come back into alignment to where the quarterback wants to throw the ball anyway. You know, because he's inside, that's why, because of the trajectory, he can't get back out there. And it's, I mean, it's, it's probably like a yard overthrown, but at least he would have an, a better opportunity to get there if he would stack the guy up and get back outside to that landmark. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I completely agree with that. Um, let's see, play 13. Um, this is where I'm going to say he needs a little bit more uh, work in his route stem, at least from uh, what I'm seeing. So 
He is uh, you have a bunch set, and he is the outside receiver. He's the, he's the number one. It's just easy to say, at least, you know, one, two, three. The, the guy farthest outside is the number one. Um, so he runs a – it's an out route with, an, you know, that the outward stem right there. Again, the t- I don't love the top of the break there, Marcus. Um, I'll play it a couple of times again so you, you can run us through um, what, what you're seeing there. But I don't think he does enough with his, with his stem and his route manipulation. I think his shoulders come up a little bit high, you know, et cetera. The cornerback is able to get hands on. Now it is a pass interference, but I still think he could have set this up a lot better. Yeah, I mean, I mean and honestly, this is – I mean, I'll give him a break here because this is hard because if you look at the corners, they're playing – I mean, they're playing – some form of cover too, so the corner's sitting there anyway. Um, so you know he, the corner's not really threatened by anything because you know he's got you know he's got the flat you know seagull and seven route anything like that. But because they're running um, the combination that they're running here is they're running out speed out with you know with I guess it's supposed to be like a deep seven or if they're running double out. He's not really threatening the corner that much. You know this is actually hard for Pyramid. Yeah, the, yeah, it, it definitely is because he's already he, he's gonna fight to maintain that outside leverage because it is like you said a cover two look. Um, with the top with the top right there, there's the only like the only thing I think he could really maybe do right here is threaten him outside, then maybe give him like one hard step up field and like maybe use like a rocker right there. Right. To, to, and then back at yeah, back then back outside. Yeah, yeah, that's the only thing I think he could do. So I think it needs a little bit more manipulation. But like I said, it, it is hard when a guy is playing cover two and he's going to be playing hard outside really no matter what because he has that help you know, over top and inside. So not right. the easiest position. But he, he, does draw, he does draw a PI. So overall, I guess it is a, you know, a positive play. Um, <laughs> so this is, the, this is the, uh, the, the speed out I believe I was talking about before where he's going to cut off of his left foot to get outside, which, again, I do not love. I've never seen anybody really – taught to cut off your left foot when you're going left and no matter the situation whether it be you know a square cut um you know one step cut you know uh, one step uh, stop and then break but this this cut I don't I definitely don't love this cut from him um even right. though you're trying to get there fast but I still don't love it because it is pretty rounded at the top right there um he does he is able to catch the ball he looks the ball and he catches it on the sideline but um I still don't love the route and it looks like he's he's just to me it's very slight and I wish I had the angle from behind him, but to me, it looks like he's starting to lean outside even before yeah. he cuts. You can see it right here. You can see the lean. Yeah, he's absolutely. leaning. He's leaning before, so a good DB is going to see this. If if he's if he's you know uh, playing over top where his hips are completely opened outside, he's not really in a great position. I like to see the corner obviously fight to stay a little bit more over the top um, instead of so far inside. But right. he he leans and then he cuts off of his in, inside foot, and that's why it's so rounded. And you know, obviously speed outs when you're facing off coverage and like that don't need to be the sharpest break. You want to see sharp breaks versus, you know, when, when a guy is on you um, or depending on the, 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 the route and the concept that it's involved in, but it's still really, really rounded. That's like, he, he cuts and it's like five more yards before he, you know, flattens out. So. Yeah, no, I mean, it's definitely rounded and, and you can definitely see the lane here before he even gets into the route. Yeah. Like um, right here, like that's, right here. Yeah. You can already see him leaning. Um, and it's there. I mean, obviously, the DB. You would. I mean, and I agree with you. I like him seeing, especially if he's playing off, uh, be more head up and outside, and be a little bit more square, so he can. I mean, this is a pick if he does that. But with Perryman, I think he's going to have to learn, because um, usually when you're running speed outs, you have to count your steps. It is you know the way that you know I've heard people coach it. You know, whether it be in NFL or college, usually you count your steps, so you end up 
you know, on the right number, um, mm-hmm. you, you end up on the outside, you know, cutting off your outside foot based off of the steps, you know, the depth of the route. So you're running, you know, 12 yard speed out, whatever it is, however many steps it, it takes for you to get, you know, get there and break off that outside foot. You know, that's how, you know, I've heard people coaching. Um, break off of the but, outside foot, not the inside foot? Yeah, when you're running the speed, I mean, excuse me, the inside foot. I'm sorry. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the, yeah, the break off of the inside foot. So, yeah, I mean, you here he's so got a lot of This is his fifth kind of steps. That's his fifth inside step, and that would be his sixth inside step. So maybe it's supposed to be the sixth or fifth. But like I said, that that even though, like I said, it's supposed to be a speed out, so it's not supposed, it's not supposed to be okay. Cuts on that 45 and stays in the 45, so it's supposed to be really sharp on like a square cut. But that's like, that's like a good like – three four yards before yeah that's like three four out. yards yeah no yeah that's a good three four yards yeah so again that's why i said most guys count their steps and they're or they're taught to you know to count their steps now this is a good part of it though you know look he always looks the ball in um good sideline awareness drags that foot so good job there but overall i yeah. think the the route could um use some some work right there so yeah agree uh, let's see some deep over Got a ton of routes um all right so again he's in motion this is a play where I didn't. There wasn't really much to this uh, to this play in terms of his his route. He threatens deep in the corner, just automatically just opens up and gives him the inside when he's angling off like that, especially to a speed guy like him. Right. Um, so you know maybe maybe he uses a uh, like a like a weave where he stays more over top or whatever it may be. Um, but he just gives him the inside on the, on that deep over. And the thing I like about the play is the is the end of the play right here. Where the ball, it's kind of that's kind of been an awkward spot for him to to either overhand or uh, underhand catch it. Where it's in like that that middle zone, like by your hip, it's kind of hard to decide. I don't know why I just said hard like a Canadian, um, but it's harder to decide um, whether to catch it overhand or underhand. So I like that he he drops and and he can catches it, but he's more like cradling that ball right there. So I like his adjustment to the ball right here at the at yeah. the end at least. No, definitely a good adjustment to the ball. And um, quarterback does a good job of. I mean, he probably could have. You know, give him a, a little bit more room, yeah. you know, to the outside. But, um, you know, he puts it in a good spot and, and you know, it's a you know, good touch on the ball and, and it allows Perriman to go down and make the catch. You know, but I agree. I mean, as far as catching the ball and licking the ball in and controlling his body, I think Perriman is good at doing that. I think he's really good at doing that. That's, you know, not something he needs to really work on a lot. You know, his route running and his releases off the ball is where he needs to improve. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 for sure. Um, and like you said, he's relatively not new to the position, but he hasn't been playing a ton. He's had some injuries, so he's still and he's and he's 27 years old too. So he still has some room to develop. You have to hope that he could stay um, obviously healthy. Um, so on the bottom right here, uh, this is what I call at least short strides, um, where he's going to eat up some of that ground, and he's not taking you know too long of steps. And this is he's kind of just squaring him up, you know, reacting to what the corner's going to do. I uh, call that short striding. So eats up that ground, gets on his toes a little bit, maybe should have even a little bit more, I think. Um, and then just releases outside. He pairs that with that, with that chop, comes over with the chop, uh, defeats that punch from the corner. And then I like the top of this route though. The, I think the top of this route is, is better, even though it could use some improvement. He uses that, that push by Marcus, uh, yep. left hand on the back, push by. Now maybe I think he should commit to his break even a little bit more right here. He's already, he's already turning out of his break before he commits to the actual stop step. Um, but overall, because of that, uh, that push by, he, he affords himself some room. Yeah, he gets some room. And what will help him come out of his break is you got to use the DBs, use his momentum. Mm-hmm. So when you're swiping, you're pushing at the same time. You know, you're not just 
pushing, you know, you're not just pushing him without using his leverage. You want to push and also use his momentum to flip you around. You know, if you watch the good ones that do this, you know, the good wide receivers that, are, that have done this, you know, they're really good at once they get their hand on the, on the DB's back, yes, they, you see the push by, but they create that, you know, they use that momentum to flip them around as well, you know, so they can step back into their breaks. Mm-hmm. All right. So next play, play 17. Uh, miss deep mesh. Uh, let's see. So there's like, t- like, like typically like four different meshes, like there's overs, unders. Um, you have deep mesh and then regular mesh. Uh, usually with, with overs or unders, it's from the outside receivers. Uh, but because there's, there's only two receivers here and they, and they are a tighter split, I'm just going to call this deep mesh. Uh, because it's beyond the normal breaking point of or the name, normal aiming point of a mesh. I'm going to call this deep mesh. And cool. um, with the, with this route, again, he doesn't really – he's on the bottom right here. He doesn't really yeah. do, you know, too much. The corner, again, doesn't play this well. It uh, looks like you have some type of cover one. The, all, all the, when the linebackers react up like that, it's really – it's harder to tell what the coverage is because they didn't play it well necessarily regardless but um this is what i talked about you see the red jerseys you see how hard it is to see their numbers oh, brutal yeah. brutal jerseys to watch film on but he is on the bottom he creates room on that on that uh on that mesh and and winston overthrows him yeah no i mean here i mean they're playing man you know on the outside yeah um, so with the play action you know with the play action obviously you draw the linebackers and you create that space for the two wideouts ton um, of room yeah, it's on the room. Yeah, and Winston just misses him, to tell you the truth. You know, there's nothing special about this route. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just, a, you know, the fact that he, you know, he bit, you know, Winston missed him. Yeah, this is, and this is what I was just showing, and this is more for the film review of people saying, oh, well, you know, he didn't do, and, and he obviously can improve on stuff. We're talking about a lot of things he can improve on, but there was a touchdown or two that we're already seeing that, that Winston missed him. Um, clean pocket. He has a, he has a, you know, his, his feet don't look very good right here to Winston to me with that, with that lead foot right there pointing towards the sideline. Um, You want that lead foot pointing towards you're throwing the ball. So not good uh, footwork by Winston. And it looks like because of that, he rips the ball. So he's overcompensating with his, with his arm. And yeah, so he, he overcompensates, throws the ball too far, which you'd think, okay, if you're not using your base as you should, maybe throw it short, but it typically leads to your top, top of your body overcompensating. Um, So next play. All right, Perryman okay release. I don't know what this is gonna be. Uh, another another reduced uh, stack right here, and okay. So the corner is playing. Call it call it heads up to maybe a little bit outside, maybe a little bit. Um, he, another one of those skip steps. Yep. They say he does that all the time. Um, doesn't eat up, as, eat up as much ground, still threatens him, pairs it with a like a swipe. Again, I like to see his hands a little bit more ready for that. It looks like he gets into him a little bit. And the aiming point for that swipe is the, is the elbow. You want to attack the middle of the arm. Uh, it lands a little bit high, so it doesn't really have a ton of effectiveness. It's hard with the linebacker slash safety right there and looks like a like a shallow zone. Um, again, though, he, he, he wins the route. I don't think it's the cleanest route, but another uh, – catch and a, and a decent run for him so what do you think about this this route marcus yeah yeah it's not a bad i mean it's not a bad release considering where they are um i'd like to see him instead of doing that hop step you know after his initial step um give it just use your speed give him two or three hard steps outside the corner's playing outside and you create even more space um you know because the corner's playing outside leverage you know because of, you know the post safety and he's got you know a little help on the inside the backer's supposed to be dropping out um 
you know, but Perriman, you know, squeaks through. Um, the corner's caught flat-footed when he's trying to jam him. And from here, he just – now you're just pulling away from the route. So this is where his speed does, you know, come into effect. Because yeah. if you're even – if you're even or behind, I guess a wrap, especially with a guy this fast. You yeah. Know, there's I, no I, chance you're going to get back on. And the only thing I feel like with, like, doing these, like, without – I, I really slow it down. You're really not showing his speed. But, like, here – he he's – like I said, the interesting height, weight, speed thing where he's like six two, whatever, but he's two fifteen and he still runs like a high four two. Yeah. Um, let's say even now in his career, maybe it's a low four three. Th- that's a hard frame to work against. I-, I remember when you played, you were telling me that you prefer to work against bigger guys than 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 shiftier guys, right? But when you have a combination of speed and size, that's that's not easy. Who, by the way, um, and I'm actually I, I want to pause it for a second after this. Uh, to just take care of some some something I have to take care of, aka I have to go to the bathroom real quick. I'll pause the show. Um, who was the hardest receiver you ever? And I think I've asked you this before. Who was the hardest receiver that you ever faced? And like with with that, like, do you agree that the, the shiftier guys are harder for you to 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 face up against? Because I remember you said you were more physical type corner. Yeah, I mean, the shiftier guys are harder. Like when you face like the Marvin Harrisons or um, you know Isaac Bruce or um. You know, I mean, obviously Jerry had everything. Jerry was, you know, Jerry was, you know, big. He wasn't a burner, but laterally he was quick. He has the, you know, he had the size, and obviously he's, you know, hands down the greatest right runner ever. Um, yeah. You know, between him and Chris Carter, they're probably the best two. And Jerry, uh, Jerry. I, uh, you know, <laughs> no, yeah. no, <laughs> on here, no, yeah. But I mean, yeah, because shiftier guys. Are, I mean, obviously, especially for a big guy like me, they're a little harder to cover. But when Sorry, when you get somebody that's, you know, shifty, you know, and fast, you know, and they're big, let's just say like a Randy Moss, um, you know, or somebody like that. Um, T.O. Was, was, T.O. wasn't a bad route runner. He's actually a good route runner, uh, but he wasn't that shifty. You know, he was more, more fast and quick, uh, if it, you know, if, if that makes sense to a lot of people. Um, but when you start getting, you know, some of these guys that are bigger, you know, and they, they can run, you know, they're fast and they're, you know, have some shiftiness to them. I mean, it is hard. Now, hmm. the advantage for me, per se, is I still have, feel like I have an opportunity because of the size factor, because I'm big as well, that I can still match up well with them, you know, as opposed to like some of these smaller corners, because now you're fighting the size and you're fighting the lateral quickness. Did you like to get hands-on fast with, with the shifty guys? Yeah, if I, ended up, if I ended up with shifty guys, yeah, I tried to get on them as fast as I could, yeah. I wouldn't even mess around. I'd just jump on I'd just jump them. You know, top, you know. Top three receivers <laughs> of all time. Go go ahead. Who, who is it? You're, you're saying, you're saying uh, Rice number one? Top receivers of all time? Yeah, go ahead. Who, who is it? Um, I'm just curious. Yeah, I mean, yeah, obviously Rice, Randy Moss, uh, T.O., um, Isaac Bruce, mm. and um, – the one other guy, just because of just like who he was, um, I probably put Michael Irvin like five. Yeah, Mike. I mean, Mike was big. Mike was wasn't the fastest, and he was probably like above average route runner, but he knew all the tricks. Like he, when I say he knew all the tricks, he knew he was good at stemming, manipulating corners. Um, he was good at setting guys up. Like he knew how to. He knew all the tricks. You know, yeah. which is why I put him in my top five. You know, to be honest. All right. And we are going to continue with the second half of the show. Um, Marcus jumped off. He had some things to to tend to. And uh, he already gave us about 
shoot an hour and a half of his time ish. So I didn't want to keep him for uh, too long. So we just agreed to, he's going to jump off. He's going to come back for, um, depending on who the Jets draft, if they, if they draft, uh, let's say a Judy or, uh, you know, Rager or Mims or whoever in the second round or Van Jefferson, he's going to come back on. We're going to do some of the breakdowns of the secondary players that the Jets grab. And he's already going to come back for the Pierre Desir review. So we have him for another couple of shows. Uh, like I said, um, a friend of mine um, at this point, he's a, he's a really good dude. So I appreciate him coming on for sure. Um, we're going to run through like the last 20 plays uh, with me solo. Um, so top of the, the screen, you have Perryman. And let's see what route this is. All right. So this is, and I'm sure he would agree with me too. This is definitely like a, a blown coverage from either. Um, looks like a blown coverage, regardless. Even it, may, you okay? You could say maybe it's it's cover four. I don't think it's cover four because, you know, one he's this corner, this safety driving on him a little bit shallow for the cover four. Um, unless it's like a like a cover four like jump or a replacement where, you know, if he's if he's gonna jump this guy, this safety would replace. So that's what would happen, but that doesn't happen. And he also, if this was cover four, he would, they would double this guy after there's no number two with a, with a route stem of, of 10 to 12 yards. So it's, they definitely blow this coverage, this safety out here, def, or this corner out here definitely uh, expects inside leverage or inside help. You could tell based on how he's playing that. So I get Perryman right there who stems him to the outside and just cuts inside on the break again, on the post. Again, it's not a great break, but he has a ton of room right there. So it's not really too important. Um, and it's another route. Uh, oh, this is not one where, where uh, he gets missed, but an easy, what, 35-yard touchdown right there for Perryman. Uh, play 20. Let me just organize this a little bit better now that he's off 20. All right. Hesitation beats slide deep. All right. So he's in the middle of the bottom of the screen. Let me pull up the play and take a sip. I think this is the first time I've ever had beer on the show, but I figured, hey, there's a guy doing with me. I can have a couple of sips while he's doing it, and I'm quarantined, and I'm in my house doing all, nothing all day, so I am drinking a Fat Tire, New, new Belgium Ale. Um, it's like a white, lighter type of uh, ale. It's good, though. I like Fat Tire, so hold on. All right, bottom of the screen. You have the corner playing. He's playing like that. Like, I, I don't like corners playing in this in this leverage. Um, in terms of being in like no man's land where if you're off coverage, you know, you give yourself some read steps to read the quarterback. If you're playing a press, you're, you're locked on that guy the whole time. When you're playing in this like no man's land, people call it like catch coverage. Um, you're playing, you don't really have room to either get your hands on him quickly or read the quarterback. So I don't love the coverage from him um, here again. He uses one of those, the, those skip steps. And like I said, there's a difference between skip steps and skip releases for me. Um, maybe I should find a different, maybe I'll find different wording for it, a, a different coaching philosophy on what they're called. Um, for me, from what I've learned there, there, there's so many, there's so many different terms. That's what I call it. So skip step, skip, skip releases are different, but he used that skip step right there. He, he eats up some of the room, gets the, gets the corner a little bit on his heels right there. You could see him on his heels. Um, Again, even with this one, I would like to see him threaten him a little bit more than, than he does. There's, that, that, this is a lot of space for me to make up or, or to, to, for the corner to recover. But because of his speed, and this is where I talk about with Robbie Anderson, his speed allows him to do some things both with his stems, with his releases, 
um, with his breaks that other corners who don't have as much speed have to do because they have to have cleaner breaks to create that separation where guys who are fast are afforded different things throughout their route to create more separation. It's just, you know, kind of says what it is if that's a good way to explain it, i don't know um he gets the outside easily and he is i hope this little bar that i see on the bottom of my screen where it shows like all of my my uh shortcuts aren't aren't bothering you guys i don't know if you see it or not let me move this up a little bit more because i'm it's kind of bothering me a little bit so um again he gets room uh, on slight deep he's he listen he has him in the nfl people who don't watch film this is not open to them this is open that that's a yard or two um of of room and and deep especially that's definitely open so um if winston hits him right here in stride this is a 99 yard touchdown so for the people who saying who are saying oh well he only produced the last five weeks of the season i've already shown two times where he was missed deep for touchdowns or maybe three the the the, the mesh the one play where marcus wanted to stack him that's another touchdown and then this play that's three touchdowns right here that that that's another 150 actually if you if you look at this one let's just say it's another 160 yards and, and three touchdowns for the guy now no no quarterback's ever going to make every throw but it's not like he wasn't doing anything these, these are the games i think this game he had like one catch but because he had one catch is that is that was that his game or did he just beat slay for 99 yard touchdown the ball is thrown there um winston gets hit I, I think he throws he tries to throw it deep to uh the outside receiver right there uh which looks like godwin so godwin and perriman both win deep um, but this is a good good play by Perriman, even though it's not necessarily maybe the best release. It's still he still beats Slay deep for what could be a 99 yard touchdown. So let's not say he didn't do anything at all those first couple of weeks. Um, like I said, there's guys who I'm not trying to hype up the guy because I'm a Jets fan. There are guys who I'm lower on, who people are higher on. Desir, I'm lower on than people are are on him. Guys like Fant, I'm higher on Fant than guys than, than guys are because when I show you the film of Fant, which we're going to do after the draft, I'm sorry, there's I have eight reviews to do, eight more shows to do before April 23rd or 24th, whatever it is. So um, today is Tuesday. You're probably going to get a Thomas show on Thursday. So you're going to get start getting shows like every other two, three days. Um, keep up with it. Like I said, this takes a ton of work. Uh, got an you know, ex-NFL defensive back. Throw reviews. Once we get to 50, we're going to give a free subscription to somebody. Out of those 50, we'll randomize. I'll use a list randomizer. Um, 100, we'll do the same thing. Um, it takes a ton of work, and me getting out to more people helps me do a lot more things with the, with the show. Um, and like I said, the website's $6 a month. That's really nothing. You, you spend $6 a month on on Madden attachments for, for to get cards and stuff like that, you know, or cups of coffee or, you know, two slices of pizza. So it's not a big deal. Um, and like I said, I don't, there's no other Jets fans out there who are doing film reviews. We're the only site to do film reviews, um, through me, Robbie does articles and a little bit of film. Michael does strictly, um, number stuff. And actually he watches a little bit of film as well, but, um, nobody else is doing Trayvon West Coast blocking. I can tell you that it's the same rehearsed, not rehearsed, but the same storylines of, Oh, should the Jets have signed this guy? Oh, Robbie Anderson. Oh my gosh. They've got Conklin. And you listen to that same stuff for three, four months. You know, is it, Maybe it fills your time and it's kind of like like brainless listening, even though I listen to some of that stuff too. Um, but I, th I think it's worth it. Like I said, it's hard to be. Maybe if I'm being a little bit of a, of a douche, um, that's just how I feel, to be completely honest. So um, another play right here where, he's, he, where he wins deep. Um, again, a, 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 a tight stack right here. Uh, he's the number one on the bottom. And the corner is playing... 
this looks this this is a so this is a uh, cover one uh, with two shallow zones. You have man, 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 man over top. Um, so you have cover two with the two shallow zones in the middle, and you have Perryman who stems his guy outside. I, so he uses like a so this is a this is a like a like a skip release to me, not necessarily a skip step because it's it's not that skip where he's jumping off of this foot and then cutting off of that foot. He jumps off of that foot, and instead of taking instead of taking that foot all the way up and then breaking off of that, he takes it halfway and then jumps off that back onto this foot. So I call that a, like a skip release. And I also like the footwork a little bit better here with this because you see how that, that right foot drags into the ground. That's slowing his momentum so he doesn't eat it up, up as much space, maybe even though he should. Um, it slows him down, allowing for a quicker break outside. So I like the footwork right there, breaks outside. You would see him pull pull the, uh, the, the bicep down right there. Um, and then he looks like he's just trying to hold his – I can't tell if his shoulder's into him. It looks like his shoulder's into him, so he defeats that outside arm, shoulder into him, and just outruns him upfield. Guess what? That's another yard or two. If Jameis looks this way, which he doesn't, even though he has a clean pocket, okay, does he hit this guy as he open? Yeah, sure, it's a first down. So is, it not a, is that a bad play by Winston? No. But if you look to the bottom right here, Perryman's open. That's two, that's two touchdowns. That's another game. That's another game of, let's just say, those two catches – you add 130 yards and two touchdowns to the Lions. Now, did he do everything in, in, in the last five weeks? You know, like, so I don't like the stats. And a lot of people just go stats, 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 stats. He did nothing. And he was just targeted too much in those, in those last five weeks. And that's why he produced. What I'm going to show you in those last five weeks, he balled out. It wasn't just, oh, him catching 10 yards, 10 yard slants that went for touchdowns. He didn't do anything. So, um, I'm relatively high on Perriman. Like I said, I would, I would still like to have Robbie back over him, but, it's not it, – listen, if, if Perriman continues on, on this trend and he, and he doesn't get injured, you're going to get relatively same production, um, I, I, I think, even though I prefer Robbie Anderson. I don't, I don't think it's a massive drop-off. And some people might think I'm crazy for saying that, but I don't think it is. Um, so he's on the bottom right here, eats up some of the, uh, of the space, and they're running like that design rub where he's going to run like a, like a slot fade, um, and he's going to try to, you know, like I said, act, act as like a natural rub into that corner. Um, as they're playing, it's like a little bit of a combo right here. Like you have, you have man, 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 and you have three guys or he's in man. So you have like a cover, cover two man, but then why would this guy break over the top? I, I don't know, but it's, it's, a, it's it, there's man coverage on, um, Perryman. And again, this is a touchdown in this game. So he did have, I think he had like one or two, catches. maybe he had a couple more catches, but catches the ball. Easy touchdown for, for Perryman on that play. Um, wasn't much to that one, but still, I got to show, um, you know, all the plays. Or not all this plays, because then this would be a 500-play review or 400 or 300, how many times he got the ball um, this season or these, this past season. So, top of the screen right here. Again, the Bucks love these, these, uh, these stacked sets from their receivers. And... Here we go. Out and up. Okay, so he runs an out and up right here. My problem with this route is um, he could have sold it better, in, in my opinion. You, you see how his shoulders come up high right here, and he's kind of like lackadaisical into that cut, and he's not really selling it right here. Um, and the corner is able to stay on that, on that upfield shoulder or work toward that upfield shoulder and then break with him. So even though he does make room right here where if he was thrown deep, could he catch this ball or does he? Oh yeah. So he, he, so he was actually throwing the ball, but again, this is another time where he created separation. You don't want to criticize the route a little bit, um, create separation. And look, if the ball is out, it is, if the ball is into his hands right here, he catches it. It's too far. 
So this is three, four instances or three or three instances in just this game. We could have had a lot more yards on a catch. Now, with this route, I'd love to see a little bit more urgency and him selling it more. Um, where again, you see him leaning to the outside right here, and he's breaking off of that, off of that, uh, the outside foot, which you don't want. So I like to see him, you know, break down a little bit more, cut off of that out of, of the inside foot, and then sell it, flatten out right here, you know, you know, flatten out, not be on this angle. You can see my mouse, not on this angle. Flatten him out towards the sideline, and then flash your eyes. When you flash your eyes, now the cornerback thinks. You know, he goes in oh shit mode. Now the ball is coming to him. He's going to work at a harder angle down, and that's when you cut up. So he, he definitely could have cleaned up, cleaned up the out and up right there. Overall, still creates room, uh, doesn't get hit. So next stutter swipe TD. Okay, so apparently he did have some good plays in this game. He is in the – he's in number two right there. Let's see. Right here, another like stack set um, with the number one receiver outside. So he's the number two on the line of scrimmage. You can call this a – if you want to, you can call this a dead leg. I, I would call it – even though I said stutter swipe, I, I would call it more of a, more of a, uh, a shuffle release where his feet are staggered and he's, uh, and he's working to, to kind of eat up some space while squaring him up. You can see the corners outside leverage, and then he squares him up right here. Um, and he's kind of reading the, what the cornerback is doing. So, or you can call it, a, you know, a dead leg. Dead leg when that one leg doesn't doesn't move, where you stay in that staggered stance, whatever you want to call it. I'll, I'll call it a, a shuffle. He pairs that shuffle with the, the corner who doesn't play this super well. I think he's he's reaching for contact a little bit right there. You don't want to see anybody really reaching for contact. But um, Perryman is able to to swipe both the hands away. You can see the the left hand on the on the right arm and the right hand on the left arm swipes that away. And then again. Another touchdown. So I think uh, this is the game he had. I think he had three touchdowns, and he's going to have another one right here. But um, decent release. Again, the corner doesn't play too well. Maybe he can eat up a little bit more space. Um, swipes the hands, and now he's in for a touchdown. Let's uh, let's watch that again. And the, the thing, the thing about him too is, I, I definitely like how he looks the ball. And you see, his eyes are always following the ball, looks it into his hands, looks it into his hands, looks it into. It. When guys are not looking into their hands and they're looking around, that's when they drop the ball. You're not focused on the ball. So, good job by him. Again, looking the ball all the way through. He's good at tracking it. Good body control. Good hands. Good speed. Good body weight. You know, there's there's definitely positives to him. Let's not be so low on Perriman. That's my message for this show. So I hope that people watching this um, are a little bit more encouraged. Like I said, I don't think he's a legit number one. I think he's more of like a number three, number two on a, on a decent team. I think you can win with him as the number two, and, and if he's uh, if he is healthy. So let's see. Simple release beats deep. No pi. Um, okay, so he's gonna be on the bottom. Yeah. Okay. Another situation. The ball is at the 12-yard line. Now, before we even get into anything, if he's led deep right here, is 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 this an 88-yard touchdown? Or no? If and maybe I'm wrong. Maybe maybe I see Perryman really really gearing down right here, taking short strides and having to come back to the ball. Um, that's not called the PI, by the way. Which this is the definition of PI: the guy doesn't work back to the ball and just gets right into Perryman's body when Perryman's trying to work back to the ball. So this is defensive pass interference that was not called. Um, 
but maybe I'm crazy. Maybe I didn't, maybe he's not gearing down right here. Maybe he's not running in full stride. Whereas if he was running full, this corner is an oh shit mode, and he's not even running full speed at all. Um, if he's running full speed, he would burn this guy, absolutely burn him. So um, it's, it's a simple release. Again, with that skip, that, with that skip step, the corner doesn't do good at all. Uh, he he needs to shuffle to stay over top. As soon as he, he as soon as he closes some ground, the corner is already sitting backwards. So that's not good. Uh, angles off and opens up and just gives him in the outside. So not a good job at the corner at all. Perryman with that skip step, uh, that skip step takes uh, takes advantage of it, threatens downfield and would have a 88 yard touchdown. Uh, Winston underthrows this ball by a lot and his footwork Winston's not good it's it's not just his reads his footwork his throw accuracy is not good again with his foot that that lead foot it looks like again it to, to me at least just based on how his calf is it looks like he his foot is taking a step forward but pointed towards the sideline um and it's not a good throw uh underthrow by by 10 yards yeah, 10 yards easily because, like I said, if, if he was to beat him and he stays in full speed, look how much he gears down. He could he get an easy 88-yard touchdown right there for, for, for me, in my opinion. I don't know who 22 is. Let's see. Oh, Conley, Garyon Conley from Ohio State. Uh, got drafted by the Raiders, if I'm not mistaken. Let's see. 26. Um, sell stem, fix up break. Okay. So he's in the bottom. Again, I'm, I'm looking at what I marked this as, and I'm watching it with you guys. So there's some times where maybe I might go into more detail on my articles because I really have to watch the play 10 times. This one is more of like a quick hits review of a play, but I think I'm still giving you guys a decent amount right here. Um, okay, so uh, just the speed release gets right off the ball. He, he you know, uh, shoulders over his knees, over his toes. He's selling vertically. Um, pretty far into his into his route. Now, with with me, I would like to see him attack that blind spot even more. You can see the corners kind of looking back at him and the and the quarterback. Um, so I like to see him attack that blind spot even more than he does. But this is the problem that we talked about. I think with the first play, with his with his breaks and he's breaking back to the ball is he throws out that stop step. It's not very violent. He's 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 not attacking the ground right there. You see how you see how it's kind of like a lackadaisical cut. And there's some things that I'm going to say to you guys that doesn't you, you're not going to be able to necessarily see it. You have to watch more film to be able to see what I'm really saying, but he's not aggressive. You got to you got to throw that into the ground. He's kind of just it's kind of a lackadaisical type of stop step. So stop step, stop step, stop step and then that's and then that 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 step right there with that left foot you see that step right there? That's the you want that to turn to open up your hips, but you can see how dead much dead. You see it's dead time at the top of this route. That's all dead time. That's a good second of dead time. So I can see him more aggressively throw out his his stop step. Um, even if that even if that first one's not the stop step, which it, it might not be, this one's still a lot lackadaisical. He's not really throwing that into the ground, and you see how he's sitting back. You, there are some guys I'll show you. If, if Jerry Judy gets drafted by the Jets, and I get some more hands on more film. His knees or his 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 chest is almost touching his knees. You want to really throw your body over your knees to commit to that break. So he's sitting back, and when you're when you're when you're trying to cut and your and your momentum's going back, uh, it's not going to be as, as as sharp as a as sharp of a break. So, um, not a great card there. He does great room, and he could have gotten he could have got hit right there if Winston threw the ball to him. Obviously, he did not. Um, but he could have definitely fixed up his uh, his uh, route break.
sorry, I cracked my neck. I don't, funny thing is I went to a chiropractor, didn't have any neck problems or had to crack my neck. I went there for family friend because I ripped my groin in high school. He cracked my neck for the one time. And ever since then, I got to crack my neck. Don't go to freaking chiropractors. And I'm saying that with a family friend as a chiropractor. Um, so Miss Deep, he is, okay, right here. Another, what I would say, again, so this is another play. Oh, well, he produced and he, he got targeted so much and look at his yards. Hey, guess what? Two plays in the Lions game could have had a touchdown, a play I think the last game I just showed, another play this game. This is an easy touchdown, easy. You don't got to lead him. You don't got to do anything. You just got to put it on him, James Winston. Listen, I'm not in the NFL. Could I make a 40-yard throw to hit Brashad Perriman open down the field? If I had to bet my money, I'm, I'm hitting this five out of ten times, at least. I'm going to play high school football. This is a throw you have to make, Winston. You have to. There's not really a lot of lower body drive from him. His foot, his foot doesn't like it's pointing in the right direction. His his hips and his and his upper body don't look too disconnected, which you want them to be a little bit disconnected. You want the hips to create that torque. Um, but this is an easy throw. Again, it looks like that that corner expected inside help. He did not get that inside help, and this is this is as open as it gets in the NFL. He overthrows him. Could have been another. Again, I'm just showing the plays that could have been 32-yard touchdowns. So, you add all up all these plays, the, the guy is gonna have. Uh, uh, let's. What, what were his stats? Let's see. Brashad Perryman stats. I'm not a big stats guy, so I can't rehearse. I can't. I don't know off the top of my head. 36 receptions, 645 yards, six touchdowns. If he hit all those balls I'm talking about right now, he has a thousand yards and 12 touchdowns. So let's let's, you know. It's not going to be big on the stats here. I'm, I'm showing the film. That's what you should be looking at. So, uh, yeah, I remember this one. So, play 28 out of 41. Again, lengthy show. You guys got time. <laughs> you know, you should be quarantined. If you're not, uh, shame on you, I think. Especially for, for my area. If you're from the Tri-State area, you're not self-quarantining. Uh, I don't know. I'm not gonna, Natural selection, I'll say. So... Top of the screen. Again, I don't. So I don't. I don't love this route stem from him. He doesn't really threaten the corner. The corner is playing with outside leverage, and he just continues. He's on the top of the numbers, and he just continues on the top of the numbers, and he's not threatening the corner. The corner wants to 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 to, to keep playing outside. So, what I would like to see him do right here is alter his route stem and 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 bend it outside towards that corner. Then the corner opens up his hips even more. Um, Maybe even maybe even speed turns, maybe just flips his hips, whatever. But you have a lot more room inside, and so he's playing. You know, the corner is still comfortable right here. He's not panicking at all. So he doesn't make him panic. He doesn't challenge him. He doesn't get on his toes. He doesn't attack his blind spot. Again, he does not commit to this break. So his shoulders are down, selling vertical, selling vertical. His his right now. Look how high his his uh, shoulders are. The corner knows he's about to break. That's his stop step. Look how upright his body is. So again, like I, he, he needs definite, definite work on his brakes. So that is not committing to the break at all. He's, almost, he, he's, not even, he's not even really like throwing it out. He's more like hopping into it. That is, you're not going to stop quickly like that. So stop step, stop step, maybe another stop step and then he tries to break out of the route and, and his feet are really small and, and, and not creating a lot of power. He's not attacking the ground right here. So um, 
doesn't commit to that, doesn't commit to that. He's still sitting backwards and barely leaning over his toes. And look how many steps it takes him. Let's say one, two, three, four, five, six. He have his break and still rounded. Now, Jameis shouldn't have thrown this outside. He should have thrown this inside of him. But also, if he was to stop quicker, he'd be in front of the corner. So it ends up intercepted. Um, for Okay, we have another angle of it. So, again, this is not committing to a break. That is not committing to a break. Neither is that. You're not, you're not leaning over your toes. You're, you're sitting back. You see how far – when you're sitting down like this, try to, try to sit down like this and stand up. So all of his momentum is falling backwards when he's trying to commit to stopping, which you need to go forwards. You know, it's like – and this is something I literally just thought of. If you think of a car um, when they nosedive, when they brake hard, that's what I look for, like speeders. My, my job is, you know, they're coming to you and, and, or cars are coming to you and they, 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 the whole front of the car leans forward. It's because the car, the car is having to lean forward to stop. You're leaning on those front tires. He's not leaning on his front tires right here. So he's, he's, he's going backwards while he's trying to stop forwards. It doesn't make any sense um, in terms of like uh, just how the body works. So not a good break from him um, and doesn't have his break fast and the corner is able to jump it. So not a good throw by, you know, Jameis Winston in general, but not a good decision or not a good route. I mean, by him. So play 29 out of 41. Short arm feet, meh. Okay. So he's on the bottom right here. I can already tell because this is not going to be a short arm. That's going to be a short arm outside leverage. So he's going to attack him a yard or two outside of his leverage to get him to open up outside, to shuffle outside, and then he's going to attack inside or vertical inside. Okay. So, again, I, I, like, the, I like the release right here. Um, I like to see him maybe his hands be a little more more ready right here and not so much like recoil. See how all that movement – so I, I would see his, his, him more bent. I would see him at the line like this or more like this, maybe not exactly like that, but more ready in his stance. I don't like that whole, this whole motion right here. You want to reduce that a little bit from, for him, but he uses um, another, another, he uses like that skip step right there, attacks the outside and head stabs again, though. This is not a, this is not a good break. You see how his legs really far out in front of him. This is not an effective break. Again, try to do that at home. Try to try to throw out your right foot and cut off your, your right foot inside with your foot that far out in front of you. It, your, your hips are not going to be able to explode out of that. He needs, he needs to eat up – even take an extra step. One, two, three, and make it more of a diamond release where you're, you're going you're gonna to attack outside for those three steps and then cut inside off of that outside foot. Make it a diamond release, but not, but not – it's a short arm. Um, but cutting off of that inside foot like that it's not, you're not going to create very sharp movement. So he is able to get inside and he does get hit, but maybe if he makes a better break, maybe now he, he's farther in front of the corner and he's able to, to, to flatten this out and run around for a touchdown. You know, it's little things that matter. So um, good release in terms of how we attack the corner, but not good footwork on the, on the break. So play 30. This is what I call a stretch release. All right. Top right here. So the stretch release, his foot is gonna come up to even and he's gonna and he's gonna going to like head fake outside most likely with his stretch release. This is what I call a stretch release, so like get even and you're trying to extend him, you know, you're trying to get him in the shuffle outside when you're attacking inside. So this is a stretch release. Stretch release defeats the arms. He attacks. Looks like he attacks the elbow. Could it be a little bit more violent with his hands right here? His hands are more placed on his elbow. I'd like to see more of a 
more of a swiper or a chop where, he, where he's stronger in defeating that inside arm. The corner's able to recover a little bit. But the thing with this is I like – so this is where Marcus was talking about. You see how he stacks them? You see how he, when, he, when he gets inside, he doesn't just continue on the straight angle. He, he works to stack them and then, and then gets um, – then continues into his route. You see how he tries to get in front of him right here? So good job stacking him and then bending inside. Stacks them, bending inside. Uh, you call it a, a very deep over. You can call it like a rounded post, whatever. Again, if Jameis has time, if he sees this, and listen, this is not necessarily the easiest throw. If he's able to step in the, up, up in the pocket, you're not, you don't necessarily want to lead him. You want to, you want to put it more short. Um, so, so Perryman has to take more of a flat angle and, and you know, uh, more shallow of the safety. So it's not necessarily the easiest throw to make in the NFL right here. But you can make this throw, you know, if you, if, if you whip it to him and, and put it out, out in front of him. Maybe he even has to bend it inside or flatten it all the way to the, to the 45-yard line. But he is open on this. Um, it could have used some more work to that route, but overall it wasn't bad at all. Um, I said, talking about Marcus, my, I'm not going to have a haircut for like two months. And unfortunately for me, I got a bad quality where my hair does not grow long. It grows poofy. So in a month or two, my hair is going to be absurd but i don't think you guys are watching me for my for my hair so who cares i'm not blessed with good hair i'm not blessed with a lot of things uh last name is blew it my hands get sweaty really quickly you know poofy hair you know thanks dad so um bottom of the screen let's see winds deep yeah there isn't much to this route um uh, really at least from the initial watch so Corner's playing with outside leverage. Obviously, he's playing uh, off coverage, off man coverage. And Perryman, complete, he, this corner, needs to, he needs to work on his technique because his feet completely freeze right here. He, get, he gets so flat-footed, flat-foot, flat-foot, flat-foot. He needs to, to work to weave instead of opening up like this. So when I, when I talk about weaving, you're still going to stay square, but it's more of your feet, you know, shuffling and working to keep yourself, you know, to, to, to move um, laterally, instead of you have to opening up and to run that way, you you want to weave to stay over top of the guy while also staying square to the line of scrimmage and, and square to the receiver. So um, Perryman stems him inside. The corner angles off inside. He takes that, you know, step to get outside. Looks like maybe have a little bit of a swipe right there. And again, now I know there was some pressure, but if any, and he hits, does he hit the running back or the tight end right there? I don't know who he hits. Let's see. He, okay, so he hits the, the running back. Now, again, it's not what happened, but if, if Winston was to step up through this hole and hit uh, Perryman deep, guess what? If he leads them to the outside right here, that's a touchdown. Again, so there's plenty of plays where he did not get hit in, in earlier in the season or whenever in the season where people are talking. I think this is the end of the season, actually towards the end of the season when he's having his good games, but he could have even better games. So – um, we showed plays in the beginning of the season where, you know, his route running definitely needs work, but he was definitely open for some plays that he was not hit on. So, um, shuffle release adjustment to ball pluck. Okay. So I think he's on the bottom right here, uh, outside leverage of the corner and press more of a soft, a soft shoe press where he's going to take steps backwards, even though this corner does not do a good job of it either. In soft shoe, you know, you, you're, you're going to let him, you're going to let him dictate himself. You're going, you're going to let him uh, do what he wants with all of his movement at first. And you're going to read him, then shoot your hands. Uh, but him, you want to, you want to creep backwards. You don't want to hop. You don't want hops. Anytime your, your feet 
leave the ground. This is not balanced. You see that all that motion right there? You do not want that. Um, so Perryman stems him outside. Shuffle release. He works immediately um, to to work like laterally to 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 uh, square him up. And again, it allows him to square him up to read the quarterback and it allows for a two-way go. So he uses that shuffle release, gets inside, breaks up off the outside foot. Even though I like to see that foot a little bit more up the field to allow him to break, it, it's a little bit shallow for him to make a really clean break um, paired with a, with a swipe. Okay, yeah, so he, so he, okay, so that happens. He runs like the curl stop. And the good thing I think he does is he adjusts, he adjusts to the quarterback well. He, he looks to make plays like this where a lot of receivers might give up right here. Um, he automatically looks back and then adjusts right to Winston. Winston chucks the ball up, and I'll show you on the different view. This is great body control, adjustment in midair, hands catch. Tracks the ball, looks it in. Again, he's run towards the sideline, has to jump backwards while twisting his upper half to catch that ball. Two feet inbounds. Great catch, great adjustment by by him. Again, his uh, the other aspects of his route could use some some work, but still. So, damn, it's three forty seven. Did we start the show at one thirty? One twenty. This seemed like a two hour show. I'm fine with it. I think I think we're sharing a lot of information on Paramount. Uh, so we only have like eight more plays. So hop step release, hop step release. Okay, so he's on the top. Um, yeah, again, I don't love this release from him because see that you see how the right foot he like another like one of those hop steps I talked about, almost more of like a. This is almost like a get even, but that left foot doesn't make contact. The left foot doesn't come up to the right foot. The left foot kind of glides past that right foot. So I'm gonna call it more of like a more of like a like that hop step. Um, that's what I should call it. Skip step, skip steps, and, and hop steps. That's I'm gonna, I'm gonna call it. Haven't been calling it that the whole time. I don't. I don't know. I'm gonna call this more of that hop step. Um, so he takes that hop step and gets outside again. And, and with that hop step, instead of instead of okay, you know, one step and then two step with the left and then three step with the right and cut off of that second step with the right foot, you eat up a lot of ground. He likes to do it to not eat up as much ground and kind of like I said, screw up the timing of the corner. So he uses that hop step, gets to the outside paired with like a looks like just like a chicken wing right here. He's like, he's like throwing his arm, throwing his arm back like elbow jam to keep his keep his arm away from the corner. Works up field. Again, okay. So, and the, the good thing about him, I'm gonna I'm gonna show this from a different angle. So, again, that little hop step. Think he could have done more right there. Uh, I think he could have made it a cleaner break from outside. Cause you see, how he's in a he's in a bow outside. If he was to, you know, maybe take maybe take this hop step and then give him a little bit of of that. Um, of that, uh, I'm blanking on the name of it right now. Not the band step, the rocker step where he's going to, let's say, plant hard with this and then throw this leg out there, plant hard with that, with, with a head fake, you know, a little bit of a rocker step in the release. Um, he would have to bow out less than that, less than he, less than he does right here. Um, and then he's reading Perry, uh, Winston. And this is what I talk about, like him being able to maintain his speed, even when he's looking back, you you want your head looking forward when you're trying to maintain speed. But he's really good at keeping keeping his eyes on the quarterback or the ball while staying at a really high speed. Again, this is a this is another um, push by where he's track he's tracking the ball, tracking the ball, tracking the ball, sees the ball coming. The, uh, obviously, the corner is in reach of him to push by, pulls him through, 
push them, attack the ball. That is a really, really good push by and an adjustment to the ball. Look at that adjustment with his body to the ball, catches the tip of it, brings it in, and runs and almost breaks the other tackle for, for more yards. And, again, he offers some more yak and stuff like that. I didn't show, like, the end arounds and stuff because they weren't great overall results, but he does offer more than that than definitely Robbie Anderson does. So, a uh, great, great job at the top of that, top of that route to, to catch that ball um, from Perryman for sure. This is, this is really, really, really good right there. So, I definitely like that aspect of his game for sure. Um, 34, stutter and go. Uh, I don't believe I like this one. Bottom of the screen. Yeah, he's not he's not he's not selling that stutter really well. Um, for to, for me again, so he, he's coming off the ball, shoulders over his toes, selling deep. Um, and the corner isn't he's just bail technique. The corner does not do a good job because this is cover three. Cover three, you have help to the inside. You have this. You have the curl to flat. You have the, you have the the hook curl, the hook seam, the hook, whatever you want to call this guy, whatever terminology you use. You have the deep third. You have the other deep third. You have guys to help you inside. You want to stay outside leverage and force him inside if anything. So the corner does not do a good job, you know, staying inside and, and leaving this whole blind spot right there. So Perryman needs to take advantage and, and read this post snap where even pre, even pre-step, you can tell he's bailing to the inside. So I would like to see Perryman bail more outside or I mean, uh, attack more outside to either get the corner to, to, to do a speed turn or just flip his hips back inside. But he doesn't really, he doesn't really attack his leverage right here. Like he should, he doesn't attack, I mean, not the leverage, his blind spot. And this break is not really selling much. You can tell he's not really committing to that break. So I like to see him really throw, you know, one, two into the ground and then release upfield. So he doesn't really sell it. The corner is able to stay over top, I believe. Um, the ball comes and, oh, this is the good thing of this play. So again, this needs more work. He needs to attack better. Um, in terms of his stem into that blind spot. This is the good part where uh, one Winston, if he's going to truck this ball, you know, throw it to the, to you, he throws a ball probably like right here, maybe a little bit farther. I mean, he throws a ball probably when he's at the, the 15 yard line or so he needs to throw the ball to the outside shoulder to let him, you know, maybe, maybe push off and box him out and catch it to the outside like that. Um, Obviously, he doesn't or lead him. You know, either one of those, he throws it inside instead, which is not a good throw. And Perryman does a good job of, you know, looking through the ball and, and attacking and, and punching it out because, listen, this is a pick if not. So good job by him um, punching that ball out. All right, play 35. Perryman foot fire. So you can see, like, some of the – there's some diversity in his, in his releases. I I think he just does, he just he just does go to that uh, that hop step a little bit more um, than he should. So foot fire. So for me, there's like a little bit of difference between foot fires and um, stutter uh, not stutters. Um, short strides. Short strides. You're covering more ground than this. Foot fire. Pretty much just staying in the same place and just aggressively just just stomping your feet right here um it eats up some ground again it gets you it lets you be able to read the the corner it lets you eat up some i already said eat up some space but it's, it's a change up of a release so uh foot fire the corner um jump splits you don't want this that you do not want one now he's back on his heels and two like marcus was saying with his with perryman's release before now you can apply that to corners when your base is too wide, you're not able to cut as well. You know, you want your your feet shoulder width apart, maybe a little bit farther. 
his feet are way, his feet are too wider here. He's not going to be able to cut inside. Now with Perryman, again, I would like to see more aggressive hands and see him more ready to defeat that outside arm because the outside arm is able to land into him and he's able to, to use that as like a pivot momentum to push his, his hips. So because he's he's because and this is maybe a little bit hard to explain, but because his hand is in his chest now when he's turning his hips that 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 momentum of Perryman is is pushing through his hand and through his hips so it's pushing his hip open so if he wasn't able to open to, to, to throw that hand in there now he has to just turn his hips without that momentum so um he needs to defeat that hand uh I think I explained it relatively well so uh tries to defeat that hand which he doesn't uh wipes up that one and then he just now this is the part of the route I like this now people might not think okay you see this broadcast okay it's not a good route the, the fact that he does this is a good thing. So he, he's playing over top. Now Perryman knows he's breaking inside. He's leaning into him, which the, the corner's looking inside, which he's he's taking away one of his senses from the break. So he would be able to see this break now. You know, he's going – you can see the break now, but because the corner's staring inside, he he's not playing it too well. But he pushes he, – he's he's pushing into him. Again, with the, I call that like a chicken wing. You're like you're, you're flexing your elbow out to create some room. So now he's pushing into him, pushing into him. And now he's pushing into him to the outside. So now his momentum is going outside when you cut in. So, so you're creating that, that, that push into the break. So now you're, like I said, creating that more, that more, that, that room. So the, the break isn't good um, to, to me. If the, though he's working through contact, so it's going to be a little bit more rounded. Um, I would like to see this foot not as under him. Um, the stop's supposed to see more commitment right here. Throw your body out a little bit more in front of that, even though he has his hands on you, and then get this foot out a little bit wider and a little bit more in front of you. You wanna you wanna drive off of that instep. So where that instep is, that's where your body like like his instep is right here. So it's not in front of him. That's a hard thing to explain. I want that foot more in front of him, is what I'm gonna say, because you want that step to be more up front, that to break, this drive step to be more in his frame. Um, but because that drive step is so far out of his frame, you're going to see him round it out a little bit. Now, with the catch, like I said, there's a lot of routes. Uh, so, okay break, but I, I like how he's leaning into him. He's, you know, he's holding his line. And this is what I like. He doesn't. He's not attacking the ball with his body. What he's doing, this is when people say, oh, he boxes out corners. He's boxing him out. So, he knows the ball's coming in front of him. And he's extending to it. Now, extending to it is like boxing out and rebound. You're boxing him out. You're extending to the ball. So now when he's extending to the ball like this, the corner is not able to, to, to close that ground to the ball. Whereas if he was tighter to catch it like this, now the corner can work through his arms, work through the ball, whatever. But because he, he's extending, boxing out with his body, he's able to catch the ball and the corner is not able to close ground because he has to work through the body to close that ground onto the ball. You see what I'm saying? So that's a good catch, good box out, tracks it, looks it right into his hands, catches the tip of it, tucks it, and uh, and it even runs forward for an extra three, four, five yards, whatever it may be. So really, overall, I'll, I'll definitely give that a plus of a play for him. So this is where people are saying, oh, well, end of the season, he was just he was just targeted so much. He I don't know his targets to his catches, but I didn't see him target a lot where he dropped the ball or didn't run a decent route, at least a good enough route to get open. He looks like he's the he's the top. So it's a little bit more like a, like a split release um, from his foot. You see, his foot isn't going this foot isn't going forward. It's his right foot is more splitting backwards. Um, even though I'm not fully, so I'll call this more like a split release, even though it's not a great split release. Um, and what that does is you're, you're bringing it back. Again, you're assessing the cornerback, and you're kind of backing up to allow the corner to, to, to dictate a little bit more for you to read the corner. So split release, um, stab outside. And the thing I like about this, the, the, at least the footwork with one part of this route is, even though I see the split release to be a little bit better, um, 
You're going to see that left foot right there. You see it drag into the ground. You see that toe drag? People call it a toe drag, uh, you know, uh, whatever you want to call it. I call it a toe drag. He's dragging that into the ground, and that acts as a, as a break. So if you're stepping hard upfield, all your momentum is going into that foot. Now, if you were to, like, you're throwing a parachute out. Now, if you're stepping that hard right foot upfield, but you're throwing that, that left foot drag, you're, you're slowing your momentum down, so you're able to cut inside more, cut whatever way you want. So he's throwing that, that toe drag into there to slow himself down. Uh, stabs outside, cuts in, again. This is not a this is not a great uh, job by the corner opening up like that. Um, he throws that out so that inside hand. Perryman looks like he like he wipes there, chops it down. I can't really tell um, from this far of an angle, but uh, decent release. Um, gets behind. Does he run a post right here? Yep. Okay. So the post could be a little bit better. So right here, um, I would like to see him lean a little bit more. I think he holds his line relatively well. You can see him bow out. You see him bow out a little bit or bow inside a little bit right here. See how he's bending it all the way in, like bending it too far inside a little bit. I would like to see him work that hand and work right through the guy, stack him, and then cut instead of instead of bowing it inside a little bit. Um, or, or even at this point, just lean, in, lean into him, take advantage of his, of his body and his weight a little bit more. Um, breaks inside, at least he breaks. Even though he's leaning a little bit before, you see how he's leaning, and then he breaks – so I like to see him stay up, operate a little bit more, have a little bit of a violent break, breaks inside, hands catch. Again, I don't. They didn't have the other view for this. I could show it, but looks the ball in, looks it in, looks it in, looks it in, tip of the ball. Really, really good hands catcher. Uh, that's that's for sure. Um, so we have play thirty-seven. So we have five plays left. All right. Get even, shuffle, body control bottom right here this is easier to tell because he's he's these other two guys are white and he's not so it's a lot easier to tell on this play at least um all right so again you're gonna see some of the bow right here how, how wide he takes this where he starts at like the bottom of the numbers or a little bit like a yard outside of the bottom of the numbers and he really widens that and this is this is maybe why i don't know if winston read that and he just chucked the ball up or if the ball is gonna be that far outside regardless but um he needs to this is more of like that, like that, uh, that's that hop step again. It's not really, it's not really a, it's not really a, uh, like a, like a skip release where he's bringing that, like, where he's stepping up with this foot and then hopping off it and breaking off this foot. It's, like, it's not the same thing. Um, this, there's a, it's, it's very subtle difference between like a, like a hop step and a skip release to me. Um, this is not it because, that whole time that that right foot is in the air, the left foot's in the air. Um, so I'm gonna call that more of a like a hop release, hop step. Um, comes over top now. So now here, I would like to see him eat up even a little bit more ground. Again, he kind of he kind of just automatically goes outside. You can call that like like I said, the hop step, almost like a, like a shuffle um, right here. And he bows far outside. So he's not, he's not really threatening the corner right here. You can see the corner kind of just standing up, right? So I like to see him threaten him a little bit more chops down on that. Um, but now here at this point when he's running by him again, I'll just see him work upfield into the corner. So now if you are running that fade, that vertical, you're giving yourself that sideline room. So he doesn't give himself that much room on the sideline because he bows it out. Now the catch is great. The feet are not in bounds. Um, but this catch is really, really good. Like I said, contested catches and things like that, hands catches, he's better than Anderson um, in that aspect of his game. So uh, tracks the ball, tracks the ball, tracks the ball, high points it. I, I wish I could see his hands, but I can't right here. Um, high points it, body control. 
tucks it in and away, tucks it in and away, or away and in, whatever you want to call it. And his feet are just outside. It looks like his right foot doesn't even get down. Yeah, it's, it's really, really close in, but it's not. Uh, that could be partially because he bowed it too far to the outside, or that's just where uh, Winston was throwing it. But look at this catch. Hands are pretty tight. Again, or I say, like, you want it, like, your hand's not diamond. If you guys were listening to my old shot, I don't know if I've talked about this yet on, on, on this show, but you really want your hands to be ideally as close as they could be like this. And his hands, when, they're, and when, they're, when he's going to catch a ball, look how his hands are. And that diamond, you see that? So really, really good hand placement, catches the tip of it away and tucks it. So good job by him. Um, there, play 38. Perriman seam catching traffic. All right. All right, so you have um, him right here, number two. Um, this three-by-one set, gun set, obviously. And he's running this, like, seam. Now, could this have been a seam if it was cover three and you just attacked the middle of the of the two deep thirds or you turn into a post versus cover two? Um, most likely, that what it was. That's that's what it was. So he's reading the defense. So call it a post, call it a seam, whatever you want to call it. Um, I don't like to get into semantics about that stuff. So speed release. The corner's giving him the outside right here. He's he's playing one. The corner's not playing with his hands ready. He's standing straight up and down pretty much. So he's not going to be able to make a quick break. Perryman just takes right away. Speed release to the outside. The corner, and he bows it out a little bit to avoid the contact, which is fine for this play. Breaks inside. Catch in traffic. Catch between three guys. I have the catch right here between it. So he attacks the soft spot of that zone. Again, and this is another spot where, like, when it's, like, more towards your hip, it's hard to know if you want to catch it, like, kind of, like, like scoop it. Like, you can see, like, like here, like, scoop it like that. Or are you going to catch it overhand and drop down a little bit? You know, it's, like, to, to, to drop down and catch it like that, it's difficult. And also to catch it like this is difficult. So, it's, it's kind of in that soft, like, that, that, that gray area of how you want to catch it where this ball ends up. So, he, and this is – he's not really body catching this. He actually catches it with his hands, even though it deflects into his body. But – he drops his body to cradle that ball because in that awkward area. And he's also in traffic, so he's going to avoid a huge hit if that safety's going to come and blast him. So uh, good job in traffic right there from, from Perryman to catch that ball. Um, and good you know, decision to release the way he did. Uh, Perryman, ridiculous catch. I know what this one is already. He's going to run this like deep over um, from he's number three right there. Oh, cheated a little bit. So release off the line. He stems inside, bends it back outside as he sees that the, the guy is just spot dropping. He's not really matching him or anything like that. He's just spot dropping. So he's going to avoid that guy underneath the intermediate zone. And he's just going to come on the deep over, you know, skinny post, not skinny post, actually, post, deep over, whatever you want to call it. Works inside. Uh, Winston is, thinks he's in trouble. Oh, he has some, he has some, he has some pressure from the interior gaps right here. Rolls out to his right. And literally just throws up a hail mary to Perryman. Perryman, looking back to the re to, to the quarterback, tracks the ball, tracks the ball, tracks the ball, jumps, high points. And I, I would say I have the different view. They're going to show this again because it's, it's a touchdown. Tracks the ball, tracks the ball. Is aware of the back line, so he doesn't he doesn't go out of bounds right here. So good job just being aware of that back line. That's important. You see some guys you know run out of bounds right here, and then come back in, and then it's illegal touching, whatever. Um, so good job by him. Body control. 
that's body control. We talk about it. Good adjustment to the ball in the air, catching the catching the ball outside of his frame, hands catch, like all the things you note down. Even though his hands aren't in the perfect position right here to catch the ball, say they're wide, but he was kind of his his hand his left hand was uh, impeded by the by the linebacker right there trying to uh, play the ball. So it's not really his fault. So he's still able to catch the ball like that, though. That is a really, really impressive catch. Foot inbounds, foot inbounds before he touches the turf. So that is, that's as good of a play you're going to see from a, from a receiver right there in terms of the catching the ball and tracking it and high pointing and body control and all that stuff. That's, that's, that's really freaking good. Um, which, by the way, can we talk about two really overrated things I've seen recently? Ruggs catching that ball, people, he literally ran to the end zone against air and did like a 360 catch. I know people who could do that in high school, like just, just catch up the ball. And he literally ran like a 360, even jumped that high and caught the ball. Like he, he literally, he jumps up, adjusts to the ball and turns around. If, if you gave me 10 times, I could do that. Not probably less than 10 times. I'll just find trying to be a little bit, not sound like a prick, but that's not that impressive. And another thing is too, and I'll do it right now. Um, People who push cars in neutral, unless it's up a hill where you're working against the momentum of the hill, um, it's not impressive. Anybody can push a car. Now, if you're pushing a a freaking 18-wheeler, sure, it's impressive. But once you get that first drive step or two against that car, it's not hard to push a car in neutral. It's really, really not. So I saw a video of of Makai Becton pushing a truck. Um, Now, maybe he's working on his technique of how he's working off his end steps, but it's not people are like, oh, my God, look at him. I bet you that almost every single one of my listeners, if you're if you're a full-grown male and just an average strength and not soft, you can go out and push a car, even if it's a truck. I don't care. Yeah, obviously Camry is easier, but you could pu- you push an F F one fifty if you have a good grip on your on your feet. So it's not that impressive. It's really not. Um, and people were saying, oh well, the brakes were engaged. If he is pushing a car with its brakes engaged, he would literally have to lift up the car because a car stops you know, uh, two, 3,000 pounds at 60 miles per hour in two, three seconds. If you think Makai Becton could push that when its brakes are fully engaged, you are out of your mind. The brakes were not engaged. I don't care if the brakes like flash, whatever. They might've tapped it. The brakes were not fully engaged. Don't give me that crap. Nobody could push a car with its brakes engaged unless, like I said, you physically lift up the car. Um, so this one, a uh, little bit of like a, you call it like a, it's, it's another one of those, like those uh, hop steps right there. You see the hop step. Again, he stems them outside a little bit right here, so I like that release better. Um, the guy, the, the corner is playing with it with outside leverage. He stems them outside, hop step, gets inside. So again, I don't like how his arm is straight right here when he's defeating that arm. Because like I said with Marcus, now now if that hand is coming straight across like this at, at a tighter angle or a, a, like a ninety degree angle, it gives yourself more surface area to cover with with a straight up form than a hand. Uh, now, if you're reaching for it, you don't want to be necessarily reaching for contact anyway. Um, but here it, it does work. So he, he kind of swipes it away a little bit. You see, it's not really making great contact. And then punches through. Swipe, punch. Swipe, punch. Leans into him. You see how he, you see how he leans into him and stacks him? That's good right there. You see how he gets, he gets over top of him? He doesn't just continue on his, on his route. He stacks him. So good job stacking him. Um, he just breaks to the outside. It's not really... You can call it maybe like a, you can call it maybe like a, yeah, you can call it a BAM. I would call it a BAM step actually, like a, like a stacked BAM. It's He doesn't really break it down, but the fact that he is breaking hard off of that inside foot, elbow jam while faking to the outside. Does he fake the outside a little bit? Yeah, I'll call it like a BAM step right there. So he BAM step to get outside on the corner route. And again, um, this is a, this is a pass interference. 
or this is not a pass interference. I put deep uh, DPI, so I guess it was a pass interference. So um, Perryman beats him deep. Now, now if Winston leads him again, it's a catch. Uh, unfortunately, he has to break, he not break down right here, but he really has to gear down and and come back to the ball. Uh, the corner ends up uh, not really seeing the ball. He doesn't. He doesn't. He looks high, but he's, he doesn't see it. Kind of panics, hits him in the face, and it's called a defensive pass interference. Um, next play and the last play, like I said, this is the length of review. Um, 41 plays I did instead of like Connor McGovern, I did 31-31. But I hope you guys learned a good amount about your new Jets receiver. Uh, and we're ending it with a with a with a uh, trend of this where apparently he just over targeted and they just forced him the ball. So that's why he got the yards he did, even though he was missed a ton. So uh, number two right here, they run like this uh, slot fade. Stems to the corner. Again, he doesn't do a ton right here in his route, to be completely honest, to, to make the corner comfortable, flips his hips inside, do anything like that. He kind of just he, – he, it's a really simple break, really simple route. Just breaks outside. And, again, this is just because of his speed. There's really nothing he sets up right here. But I play in full motion. You could see his speed or, or, or normal motion. You see the speed that he has. Um, gets to the outside of the corner who just gives him the outside. Um, and, again – Listen, if this ball is to – let's see where it, where it ends up. If this ball is either over top or just a little bit to his outside shoulder, um, this is a touchdown. But Winston throws it way too far and out of bounds. He just has to, he just has to throw it to the outside shoulder right here, maybe through, a little bit past the pylon, maybe right here, and Perryman catches it, um, gets his feet in bounds, and, and it's a touchdown. But, again, it's another opportunity missed from Winston because Winston is not an accurate – thrower deep he's just not from what I've seen maybe maybe this is an outlier throws that I've been seeing but a lot of the years missed throws like this and he's about open deep and listen I'm not being biased if you give Sam Donald that pocket to throw and he could step into his throw he'll miss a throw or two he does not missing as many as Jameis does that's a clean pocket to throw from and he completely misses him outside so bad job by him thank you for sticking around for the review um today is Tuesday most likely it's going to be Thursday with Andrew Thomas um and then like Saturday with Becton um, I want to preface the show by saying I don't have college film of him. I have broadcast angles. So you guys saw me broke down, break down McGovern part one and part two. I can get into a lot more detail where I could see leverages and guys feet and, and drop steps first hinge or not hinge steps, uh, drop steps first, brace steps first, bucket steps. When I'm broadcast and I can't see their feet and I can't see their angles, it's a little bit harder. So it's going to be a little bit more of a simplistic review, to be completely honest. Um, can't put out my best work with the views like that. So it's like 30 – or no, actually, it's 29 plays of uh, Thomas I have coming. But like I said, a ton of work coming. I have Thomas, then Beckton, then we're probably going to do like Wills, Wirfs, Judy, Ruggs, Lamb, uh, Chase on. That's what I call them. That's how you pronounce it. All before the draft, and then most likely, I'll hopefully I'll be done a couple days before the draft. I'm gonna put some more work into into Peanut, Desir, Van Roten, and maybe if I'm super bored, I'll work on Josh Andrews and watch a game of two or him, a game or two of him. Even though the Jets will probably sign guys who will take priority over him, but um, like I said, a ton of stuff coming your way. Subscribe, ratings, reviews are fantastic. Subscribe to the website, and I will see you guys uh, on Twitter in three seconds, or I'll see you in a. Uh, in a couple of days on the show.